Hey guys, it's me, Lance. And while I have you here listening to our show, I wanted to take a second and reach out to all the people out there that are thinking about starting their own show, starting their own podcast. When we started this thing back in February of 2019, we were really trying to figure out which platform we needed to go with. Well, in about 30 seconds after searching, we've stumbled upon Anchor. And since February of 2019, we have not looked back because, guys, it's pretty simple. With the quality that they provide, the accessibility that the platform provides, along with the fact that it's absolutely free, while you could potentially be making money doing it, it was pretty easy for us. And I think it'd be easy for you as well. So do me a favor. If you're thinking about starting your own show, you're thinking about starting your own podcast, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I promise you guys, you won't regret it. All sports, all the time. There's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! Patrick freaking Mahomes, baby! Uh, Let's talk some sports, because that's what we're here to do. Tuned into the spoken spoken. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Lance Twidwell. This is the Spoken Podcast. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, back at the KCPN studios with my guy, Trevor Twidwell. What's good? Our amazing guests that are coming up that I will be announcing very shortly, and I know you guys are gonna be very excited to hear these names. Well, I got my lady, Miss Gat, back on the ones and twos for a very special night. Well, we're at least hoping it's going to be very special for all you guys. It's special to us. I just hope it's special for you guys. For all of our podcast listeners that have been just holding down the fort for us over the last couple of months, for all of our YouTubers and our live streamers now back with us, we want to thank you so much for allowing us to play a small part of your Friday night or whatever it is you're listening to this show. Thank you guys so much. We really do take it as an honor and a privilege to be here Episode 100. Um, I wanted to take a few minutes tonight before we actually officially got our guests going because we have not one, not two, but three guests tonight that I'm very excited to get on and talk about the Chiefs to this point and the Chiefs after this point and what they're going to be doing. And we're very much looking forward to getting this analytical uh, uh, point of views brought into our show. But, you know... One of our guests, and I'm not going to reveal his name yet, but he's a very special guest, I promise you that. But he asked before we started airing tonight, did I think that we would get to episode 100? And my answer was very simple and plain. Yes, I, I did think we would be here. Um, but the, the point of the message, the, the, the rather the point of why I thought that is because of the fact that for eight years going into the podcast, before we started the podcast, eight years of time, we just had this Facebook group. And it stayed relevant, and it stayed fun, and people were, in, you know, intrigued and, and engaging, and and there's people that otherwise would have never known each other, never met, meeting in that, and and becoming lifelong friends, and and people didn't even know they were in the same cities, uh, ended up becoming friends in person through this group. Now that's not anything I did. That's just all of us working together and having fun and becoming a community, a family, if you will. Uh, of sports fans, just like-minded individuals when it comes to one particular thing. We we all might disagree on a lot of different things in life, but it's sports that bring us all together. And um, so, yeah, I, I definitely did think that we'd be here. I definitely did think we'd get to 100 episodes, and I definitely think we're going to get to 100 more. And the reason why is because it's fun as hell. 
This is an absolute blast. I, I love doing this. Whether it's just on the podcast side of things, whether it's YouTube live stream, all of it combined, this is what I look forward to each and every week. Getting to hang out with you guys, getting to interact with you guys, seeing the mentions, seeing what you guys have to say, opening up the Monday mailbag, like to to meet people. There was a, a story I had. I was at a I was at a grocery store a few months back, and I noticed this young guy was was kind of looking at me in line, and I, I was kind of like wondering why this was, and he was a much bigger guy than I was, so I was hoping he'd be friendly because if not, my ass was about to get kicked. And he stopped me before I walked out of the store, and he said, "Hey, you're you're Lance from the Spoken." And I was like, yeah, man, what's up? And he, and he just said, dude, you guys have gotten me through this pandemic. And to hear that, to, to hear that word, hear those words from an individual I've never met before, a complete stranger who happens to live in my city, like that is why we do this. That is why we continue to do this show because Trevor and I, you know, all of our friends that are in this show that are a part of this somehow, some way, whether it's behind the scenes or on camera, we're all going to keep talking sports because we're friends. We can do this on and off camera, on and off air. That's not the issue. The fact that we get to do this with people we've never met before is the powerful part of, of, of all this. So when I started this podcast almost two years ago, and it's crazy to even think it's been two years almost. When I started this almost two years ago with Eddie Ortiz, I really didn't know what to expect. I really didn't know how it was going to be received because we were kind of behind in the whole podcast side of things. Like we've, there's been plenty of other Chiefs podcasts, other local shows. I didn't really know where we were going to fit, but I did know it was going to be unique, and I did know it was going to be us, and it has been all 100 episodes. There's been no faking. There's been no trying. It's been just us each and every time. Have there been some episodes that have been better than others? Yeah. Absolutely, we've had some, some some shows that everything went wrong, and it just was it was just trial by error. And then there's some shows that have just flowed, just just flew, and just everything was smooth, and everything just went exactly as we wanted it to. But no matter which one it was, it was a part of the journey. It was a part of the chapters of of the books that we're finishing right now. And so I believe we have a long way to go. I think this show is going to continue because you guys are having fun, we're having fun with it, and that's what's that's what matters the most. And, and honestly, it's it's fun to talk about a team that's so damn good in Kansas City. That definitely adds some incentive to it. So I just wanted to spend this first part of the show to, to reflect and let you guys know that um, I definitely did see us getting here. And I am so grateful and so glad, and I can't say it enough, but I know I'm going to say it over and over again, for you guys. I'm thankful for you guys because you guys are what makes this what it is. I look forward to it each and every time seeing the engagement and hearing your guys' responses, getting e- getting emails and DMs from people I've never met that said you guys are a true blessing to what you know to my life. If we can play a small portion of your life or a blessing to your life, I'll gladly take that. So we got a great show for you guys because we have Red Trip Cinemas Clay Windler in the house, and we have Shaggy Shane Williams on line one, if you will. We are going to get our guys, the OG, these guys have helped me start this thing from the ground up, man. We're going to get their thoughts on all things Chiefs related. Our guy, Clay Winler, just dropped a heat of a video uh, just this week, and I hope you guys check that thing out because it was freaking awesome. It worked perfectly into what just took place against the Cleveland Browns with Mr. Chad Henney saving the day, if you will. I'm going to get their thoughts on what's happened to this point, how they see things going from this point on. It's going to be an absolute blast. we got Trevor Twidwell in the house. we got Gat in the house. I'm sure she's got some thoughts. She wants to bring it. She always has a, a, a free ride to comment on what she's got going on. And obviously, we'd love to hear from you guys. Let us know what you guys think are, you know, in our discussions throughout the show. 
Hit us up, man. Let us know what you guys have, you know, have going on, or if you just want to say, hey, congratulations. You guys are part of this as well. So we'll get to all that after this. Commandeer is Kansas City's alternative apparel brand. They make unique Kansas City-themed apparel and accessories with an emphasis on counterculture. They're nominated for two Best of KC 2019 awards in the Pitch Magazine and have plenty of designs for both sports fans and anyone else. Find them online at commandeerbrand.com or follow them at Commandeer on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Soft shirts, designed with an edge. Back at it again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number two. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the KCPN studios. But my guy is Trevor Twidwell. That's good. Mr. Clay Windler is in the house tonight. He is in person, live and in studio. We got Gat on the ones and twos, as always. She's Mrs. Reliable in, the, in, the, in this business. We also have our guy, Mr. Shaggy. Don't call him Granite Chin. Williams on our Zoom call. How are we doing tonight, Mr. Shaggy Shane? Things couldn't be better on a Red Friday when your Kansas City Chiefs are about to host their third straight AFC Championship game at one Arrowhead Drive. Are you ready to kick some ass? Are you ready to kick some ass, baby? Let's go. Our guy Shane's like the human version of Viagra. I swear, this guy is always up and ready to go, man. If If you haven't followed our guy Shaggy at this point... On, on, on YouTube, I don't know what the hell. I, I don't even know if we can consider you a part of the kingdom at this point because this guy is, is the ultimate representation. But we also have uh, an ultimate representation of Chiefs Kingdom and, and Red Tribe Cinema, Mr. Clay Windler, the mind behind thank you, thank you. Red Tribe Cinema. How are you doing tonight, Mr. Windler? It's not about me. It's about, it's about you tonight, Lance. <laughs> well, you guys are what make this great, man. I'm so glad I got Gat, Shane, and Clay at the same time on the same show. At the same time. You guys have made this what this is, man. You, I mean, from production to all of it. But I just, I just want to thank you guys real quick before you know. I don't want to get all sobby on this, but I just want to thank you guys for being here, taking time on your Friday nights because I know, I know you guys got things going on. You're prepping for this game, and that's what I want to start with. So the Chiefs just got done beating the Browns this last week, and I think it goes without say, guys, that this this was this was a game that we saw literally every single possibility and every single scenario play itself out. You saw Patrick Mahomes look amazing. He, he totally took away the the whole rust theory that everyone kept trying to play on. You saw the way the defense really clamped down on the Browns and made them earn every single thing they got on that field, and they still didn't earn very much. You saw Patrick Mahomes go down with an apparent concussion at the time. And it scared the living hell out of, all, out of all of us. And then we saw the backup quarterback, Chad Henney, go in there and save the damn day. Not to mention, crazy-ass plays like a touchback that Dan Sorensen willed. I mean, if he doesn't give everything, every ounce of his being in that, that play doesn't happen. And the Browns might win that game, probably do win that game. Budker misses what, leaves four points on the on the board. Like I'm saying, like there's everything that could have happened in a football game almost damn near happened in this game. I'm going to start with you, Shane. What did you learn about this about the Chiefs as a whole last week against the Browns? I learned that when their backs are against the wall and they don't have any momentum, Andy Reid isn't afraid to show his balls to steal. We've all been critical of Andy Reid for a plethora of reasons that we don't need to touch on tonight unless you want to gander on it. Um, 
Andy Reid really stepped up and put the trust in his backup quarterback, who the drive before probably threw the worst pass of his NFL career on that interception, to uh, call the play that he called on fourth and inches, a fourth and inches at your own 47, with a minute and 15 seconds left. Props to Andy Reid. No other head coach would be ballsy enough to make that call. Every other head coach, including myself, would have said, Ran it, run it down to one, take a timeout, and think about what you want to call. But he, Andy Reid knew the entire world was thinking that, propped up his balls of steel, and made the ultimate call. Way to go. Clay, what did, what did you see in this, this matchup in particular, man? Uh, well, this, this game was kind of like a microcosm of previous Chiefs playoff games. You had, well, first off, the Chiefs didn't punt in this game. Yep. And we all know what happened in a certain uh, no-punt game many, many years ago. So we, they reversed that curse. Uh, we had we had a microcosm of the Lynn Elliott debacle with uh, Butker missing two huge kicks. And sure. if, 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 he, if he had missed three kicks instead of two, they might have lost the game. And, and then we had, you know, a... Uh, a, a not not so great quarterback, almost spoiling the game, and they the Chiefs really. I mean, they 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 beat the odds. They beat their own history in winning this game, which is why everybody had the reaction to it that they had. And just, I think even I think even if the Browns had gotten that ball back, they still would have lost. But nobody really felt like that when it was happening. And so it was. It was just the game started the way most of us expected, I think, and then it turned out com- completely different. And it was honestly, it might have been like the most memorable playoff game, other than the, the Texans game, obviously, that we've had since Mahomes became our starter. Yeah. Well, Trip. I mean, you you yeah, you man. and I watched this game together, and we we talked about how you know there was a lot of. We felt like opportunities missed, but at the same time... That's every week, man. Yeah, when the Chiefs were clicking, (laughs) though, you saw how easy it was for them to move the ball. I believe they scored on five of their first six drives, and the only reason they didn't score on the last drive is because they missed a field goal, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they scored on every every possession Mahomes was out there, Right outside of that one missed field goal. So what did did you take away from real quick? It felt like three games in one. Like, I felt like there's three different stories, like with Mahomes going down, the missed kicks, and then, you know... Just the overall, and then the way it ended with with Henny coming in and the heroics by by Chad Henny. It just is. It felt like three different scenarios happening in you know in one in one game, one sitting. It was it was a emotional roller coaster, as you know. We were we both were witnessing that at the same time and stressing out and going through a lot of different emotions. Um, I mean, I'm glad Pat's okay. First of all, that the I mean, oh, my biggest takeaway was the defense. Man, I feel like I know we allowed a couple big chunk plays down the field, but that's the best running back tandem in this league. Those two running backs, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, have been absolutely dis- dismantling defenses all year. That's at one of the best O-lines, if not the best rushing O-line in the league. And we shut their asses down right. as far as c- to their standards. Those guys run over everybody, just like we did against Derrick Henry last year in the playoffs. Everyone was like, oh, yeah, they were talking all that shit. And, and Frank, who heard it? Frank Clark? Frank, Everybody heard it, right? We heard it all week leading into that game. Just like we heard it all week, you know, this is personal from Cream Hunt. <laughs> we shut their asses down. Outside of Cream Hunt getting in, he got the pay dirt. I'll give him that. But outside of that, I mean, they 
that was not a typical rushing outing from that Cleveland offense. And Dirty Dan, Tyron Matthew, Frank Clark getting pressure. Big guys were making big plays. Big names were making big plays. And that's what you want to see. We, it looked like we flipped that switch. And that's that's the most, as far as going into this next game, I'm not worried about our offense. Pat's going to go do what Pat does next this next game. I'm not worried about that. But if our defense is clicking like that, and we can take that performance and one-up it going into this next week, that was my biggest takeaway. I was excited to see guys, Hitchens out there looking feisty again, carrying over when, what he, he was doing in the, you know, in the middle of the season. He's looked great all year. Carrying over that vocalness, that leadership then with the linebacker core, because we definitely need that. And it showed, man. Our linebackers were ready. They were up for the challenge against those running backs, and they and they did what they had to do. Sorensen making the big play. Tyron was literally everywhere, sniffing out the ball. Um, that's what I was most impressed with. I mean, I'm, like I said, the the biggest story obviously coming out of the game was Patrick making sure he was okay. Henny finished the game, you know, with the biggest ballsy call I think I've seen in any football game all year. Um, yeah, I mean, it just—I was—it was such a relief. Like that game, it feels like we say this every week, but that game should have been a blowout, or it should never have been as close as it was. Obviously, if we would have had a nice little padding of the, of the of the score if we didn't miss all those field goals, but that game should have never have been as close as it was. The way our defense played and the way we were consistently in the red zone. Well, we just got to finish. To speak about you know to touch on the blowout aspect of this whole thing. I mean, because that's what we're expecting. Yeah, it's yeah, no we mystery. It's no mystery that the Chiefs. Uh, have been, I wouldn't say struggling against opponents, but they've been keeping it rather close, at least at the end of games. Right. I believe it's seven straight games now the Chiefs have won by uh, one touchdown or less, uh, which is an NFL record that they continue to extend. Um, for me personally, I, I, it, isn't, it isn't fun for me, Shaggy, to, to see the Chiefs play games this close. At the same time, I think there is some context that we need to be truthful and honest about when it comes to these close uh, games, or at least it seems close at, at the end of these games. Uh, you, you look back at, at, at the Saints. The Chiefs are up 10 points with two minutes to go. The Saints score a very you know cheap, I want to say cheap, but a, a meaningless touchdown at the end of the game. Chiefs are going to win that game. You saw the way that they came up, went up 17-0 against the Buccaneers. That game wasn't as close as it looked at the end even though it was a three-point game the 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 Dolphins game Chiefs are up 13 points uh, the the Bills game they're up 14 points I mean th- th- what I'm saying is against good teams the Chiefs had demanding and commanding leads and it just seems that they kind of let up at the end Shaggy is this something that that you see as a concern moving forward for these final two games the Chiefs can be t- potentially playing in or do you think this is just the confidence this team exudes each and every week when you look at it in totality, if you look at it in big picture, it's just the way things that things are trending for the Kansas City Chiefs for the entire 2020 season. Um, let's look at it with the Saints game. The Kansas City Chiefs had two 14-point leads in that game and had the ball. Yep. The Chiefs had the ball against the Saints up 14 to nothing through three straight incomplete passes, punted the football away. Drew Brees ended up hitting a wide receiver for 50 yards. They're back in the game at 14 to 7. With the Chiefs up 29 to 15 in the fourth quarter of that same game, the Chiefs had the ball at their own 25 yard line with about 12 minutes left in the game. They threw two incompletions. Then on the third incomplete uh, play, it was a pass play. Patrick Mahomes was sandwiched. He fumbled. The Saints took advantage of that thought, wow, the Chiefs haven't put us away and scored a touchdown and made it a game. With the Chiefs up 30-10 to 10 at the beginning of the fourth quarter against the Miami Dolphins, Patrick Mahomes uh, threw an interception, but it was a hell of an interception by Xavier Newman of the Miami Dolphins. 
The Dolphins went down and scored a touchdown to fourth and 13. The Chiefs then ran the ball once and threw two incompletions, punted the football. The Dolphins went down to score. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Chiefs were owning the entire game. The defense even had two interceptions in the third quarter. The Chiefs unable, and this is what I'm going to get at because if you look at it in totality, the big picture, the reason why the Chiefs weren't able to put away the Dolphins, Saints, and the Buccaneers, as well as the Cleveland Browns, well, I, I, don't, I won't say the Cleveland Browns because the Chiefs were able to run. But in those three games, the Chiefs weren't able to sustain a running game. Against the Browns, it was a different story because the Browns had that long nine-and-a-half-minute drive to pull within five. Then the Chiefs were able to move the ball with the running game. But in those three games in the regular season, the Chiefs weren't able to run, move the football or even make an attempt to. When you have the ball at 14 points twice against the Saints, you've got to lean on your running game. I know you're off the offensive line is having some issues because we're not the same with us, Schwartz. Uh, our guards have been in flux. When you have the lead up 14, especially in the fourth quarter, you have to run the football. And that's what scares me going into this game on Sunday. My biggest fear is the Chiefs will be up 31-17 to with 12 minutes left in the game, and they'll throw three straight incomplete passes. That's my fear. But Daryl Williams, who's somebody we haven't talked about, yep. which brings up a different point. And I'm not Good. trying to dodge that question, Lance, because and on top of answering that question, I think the Chiefs have elevated Daryl Williams above Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell did not practice today. And with Daryl Williams getting 13 carries for 78 yards, he has the ability to run the football downhill. And when I hope more than anything, when, not if, when the Chiefs are up 31-17 to against Buffalo this Sunday and there's 12 minutes left in the game and the Chiefs have the ball first and 10 at their own 20, they'll turn and hand the ball off to Darrell Williams and they'll pick up three yards. Then on second and seven, the next play, they'll turn and they'll hand off to Darrell Williams and they'll pick up two yards and it's third and five. We trust Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes when the Chiefs are in passing situations. When the Chiefs are facing third and five and a clock that has just been running on the two previous plays... We trust Patch Mahomes to look over the options of the third and five play and hit the first down. And then what are you going to do on that next play? You're going to hand off after you get the first down to Daryl Williams. So not only can you recount every single thing that has ever happened, but you just predicted the future. <laughs> it's mind, mind, just, mind blown. I don't even know how to like. We should just end the show right there. I mean that that's it. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, I, I I see it the same way. I, I think that you make a very valid point. I think Daryl Williams has quickly become uh, a hero of sorts for this this team and an offense in particular. He's he's definitely a downhill runner, and that's something the Chiefs are craving right now from a running back. Clay, let me get your thoughts on this as well. Uh, the, the whole blowout factor again, yeah. is that something you're worried about because the Chiefs can't seem to put that finishing stamp on teams? It doesn't really matter at all. I mean, the Chiefs are, what, 24-1 now over their last 25 games? With yeah, like, Mahomes starting, yes. That's I mean, good. I, I'm a huge Chiefs homer like everybody in this yeah. room, but I still can't believe that that that's a thing. Yeah. The Chiefs are 24-1. And... and uh, what we have really seen, it really all kind of like came to a head in, in in this last playoff game. You know, the Chiefs over the last two years have they've shown everybody that they are an elite offense, and they're going to win primarily with offense. But they've shown they can win anyway at this point, and 
that's how they beat the Falcons. That's how they certainly beat the Browns last week. So, I mean, yeah, the Chiefs are a great offense, but we've seen them win with defense, and we've seen them win with their friggin' backup quarterback in the game. So, they're... They just win. That's all they do. I mean, it, it, it doesn't matter how they win. All they do is win. Right. For me, it's about my but health. But you, you, you can't be exposed. You can't take a chance on putting pressure on uh, Patrick with three right. minutes left. Okay, we didn't do anything. We let this 21-point lead get down right. to two points. Uh, go four and a half minutes, Patrick. Go win this game. If you're able to run the ball in the playoffs, it's freaking huge, man. Yep. I can't stress that enough. Yes, the Chiefs for fourteen and one this year. I don't. We throw away the Chargers game, and, and we are nitpicking. When your team is fourteen and one with your starting quarterback, you nitpick at the at what scares you. Trust me, I've been to every Chiefs home playoff loss, every deficiency that those thirteen and three teams have were exposed in the playoffs. Whether is they didn't do this or that. So we sit here and we nitpick the deficiencies. We nitpick our fears. Because we don't want those to be exposed in January. That's where you don't want your deficiencies exposed. That's why we're concerned when Bucker leaves four points off the board in a freaking game that we had to hang on for. And that's why we're concerned with why these massive freaking big games blowouts that become, okay, Patrick, it's four and a half minutes left. Uh, you didn't have a running game against these uh, Buccaneers, Saints, and Dolphins. Finish it by passing. Are we nitpicking? Yes, but those concerns need to be discussed because if we're sitting here with four minutes left in this Sunday's game and the Chiefs are hanging on to a 34-32 to game, we're going to be thinking, ah, what happened in the fourth quarter? Why didn't we have a running game? Why were we throwing on every possession in the fourth quarter with incomplete passes stopping the clock? Let's finish the game by running the football. I trust Daryl Williams. I trust him. Lance, you and me were at the Raiders game last year, 13 months ago, at Arrowhead where Daryl Williams suffered a, I think it was a hamstring or an Achilles, but he was gone. We forgot all about Daryl Williams last year in the playoffs. He's showing that we can trust in him. He knows the system. He, he, he can play. I trust him running between the tackles in this offense. Let's finish the game in the Let's finish the game in the fourth quarter. Yeah, that's I mean, my point. I mean, what, what's a what's a Chiefs Super Bowl run without a running back by the last name Williams? If you know what I mean, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to get you guys' thoughts on a few other things um, in regards to this team. Uh, when it comes to Butker, you know, a lot of times kickers get overlooked because most times they're going to make their kicks, and it's and it's you know it's a non-issue if they miss a PAT here and there. This has been a, a season-long issue for Harrison Butker when it comes to missing PATs, chip shots. Uh, it's a very frustrating, um, if you will, situation because I believe from week nine to the end of the season, Butker was almost perfect. And then in the playoffs, what do you know? He, Like I said, he leaves four points on the board. Um, Shaggy, I don't want to speak for Clay, but I do believe that you're a little bit more worried than, than Clay is when it comes to Harrison Butker. Maybe he has the yips. How the hell does he get out of it? I'm going to start with Clay on this one first because he's the one that's actually mm -hmm. a little more confident mm -hmm. in Harrison Butker. Ex explain your case here, Clay. Well, we talked about this this week. Um, actually, Shane is probably right. To be concerned, I mean, how can you not be at this point with as many extra points as he's, he's missed? Mm -hmm. But my problem is, I told you guys this, I'm emotionally attached to Harrison Butker at this point because you can't make three 58-yard field goals in a row <laughs> and, like, just not, at least for me, see yeah. that dude as, like, a freaking hero. And 
I, I get that he was close to blowing the game last week, but for me, I mean, to have a guy who can kick a 58-yard field goal under extreme pressure is incredibly valuable. And, you know, last week, Justin Tucker missed an awful field sure. goal. And another windy so, game as well. So, Both games were windy. I mean, elite, even the elite kicker can, can screw up at any time. So, I mean... But do you maintain confidence that Harrison Butker is yeah, going to be the I mean, guy? He's missed too many this year, total. He's missed way too I, I, many. I realize that he's missed like some really makeable kicks, but but yeah. nothing he has done has actually cost the Chiefs a game to this Not point. Not yet. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's right. Yeah. I mean, but but it ha- until it happens, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to lose confidence sure. in the guy because because yeah. he keeps doing amazing things. I mean. I think he's nailed like every kick, like fifty yards and over this year. I think you're right. I, I, I don't think he's missed a kick over so just over the fifty extra yards. So, <laughs> you know, when I was a kid, one of the greatest Chiefs moments of my, my life was Pete Stoyanovich. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. I know where you're going. Four yard field goal against the Broncos, and so so I can't help but just be like, hell yeah, Harrison Butker. Just yeah. All right, so we've heard the confidence yeah. side of things, Shane. Give us your case, buddy. Harrison Bucker's got a strong leg, and to piggyback on what Clay Windler said about the three fifty-eight yard field goals, it was in a dome. No fans were there. He freaking nailed three fifty-eight yard field goals. Was it impressive? Hell yeah, it won the game, and he made every freaking one. Yeah. But you, you are known for what you do in January. I, I can't stress that enough. And when you have a field goal kicker that's trending in the wrong direction come postseason time, if it's trending downward in a slump, but like you said, from week 12 or week 9 to week 7 or week 17, he's been money. But when he starts missing those clutch kicks, it's a concern. And if Chad Henney would have overthrew Tyreek Hill on that fourth and inches, and Baker Mayfield would have let him down the field for a touchdown, and the Chiefs lost 23-22, to guess what? Harrison Bucker would have already been released. Because yep. Chiefs Kingdom would have ran his ass out of town. <laughs> Harrison Bucker missed freaking five extra points the first seven weeks of the season. He gets paid to make the clutch kicks. It's unfair for the rest of the team to suffer because your kicker sucked. Do I believe in him to make the play to important kick on this Sunday? Mm, he better because Chief uh, Andy Reid and the Dave Tobe and the entire special teams and the whole coaching staff put their trust in him. It's weird because he misses such short kicks and he's able to make the long kicks. His 50-yard field goal made this Sunday. I'll give him that was the first 50-yard field goal made in the playoffs in Kansas City Chiefs postseason history. But if you noticed since week eight, five, remember he missed five extra points the first seven weeks of the season, Harrison Butker has switched his kicks on extra points to the left hash mark. I don't know if you guys watch that as closely as I do. Yep. Harrison, Buck, Harrison Butker used to kick it right in between the hash marks. Every extra point was right in the middle, right in the middle. So this, since week eight, he's been to the left hash mark on his extra points. Has it helped him? It did before... Uh, last Sunday when he missed a 33-yarder and an extra point, which is 33 yards. Gosh, I want to believe in him because he's got the leg. We'll see Sunday if it comes down to him. If it 
does, he has to deliver. Because if he doesn't, everybody's going to say, why didn't you cut this guy week eight when he missed five extra points the first seven weeks of the season? A couple more questions for you guys, and we're going to get you out of here. And, again, thank you guys so much for being here with us uh, for our 100th episode. Uh, we literally could not be doing this without the help of both you guys. Obviously, Gat being here, which is humongous for us as well. Um, when Thanks, com- Gat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when it comes to the Chiefs, uh, in particular, this matchup with the Bills, we saw this game in Week Six. I'm going to be honest. I, I and we'll, we'll, Trevor and I will break our um, thoughts on, on this matchup in particular later in the show. But I didn't feel like this game was all that close for the majority of the game. I know there was a, a potential fumble that they could have reversed and gave the Bills an opportunity to score at the end of the game. But I felt like the Chiefs really just did whatever they wanted to do against the Bills early and often. The score wasn't big. They didn't put up a ton of points. But the Chiefs just absolutely ran all over this Bills defense. I know they didn't have Matt Milano, and that will play a factor. But I do believe with Sammy Watkins potentially coming back, and I'm going to ask you a question about Sammy in a second, Shane. Um, Obviously, we've been as confident as ever with this team. 24 of the last 25 with Patrick Mahomes at the helm. Personally, I don't feel like it's any different this time around. Even though the Bills are a very worthy opponent from the beginning of the season, before the season started, this was the team I had the Chiefs playing in the AFC Championship at Arrowhead. But that doesn't mean that the Bills are a great team. That doesn't mean that the Bills are a team that can dethrone the Chiefs. That just means they're worthy enough to get to where they're at. But do you guys see it any differently? I'll start with you, Shaggy. Do you see that any differently? Or are you believing that this Chiefs team is just going to simply as they have 24 of the last 25 games with Patrick Mahomes, find a way. I think uh, it will be a different game than it always is. You always think, well, since the Chiefs played, well, I'll go back to last year, everybody thought since the Chiefs played the Titans and Derrick Henry ran all over us the first time that the Chiefs were going to have to keep up with Derrick Henry by passing the football, you know, by scoring, obviously, they have a better passing game than their running game. I'll pace them. Yep. But I think that um, I think that if I don't, I don't think it's going to. I don't. It's unfair to put to put the pressure back on Clyde Edwards-Helaire. He's just now coming back and to say, okay, Clyde's going to run for another one sixty again. I just don't think he's. I think he'll be a factor. I think Le'Veon Bell will be inactive because he didn't practice today. So I think it's going to come down to Daryl and Clyde carrying the ball. But to say it's going to be the same exact way as it was. Week six, I can't say that. I do believe this. If you're asking me, if you're getting after me a prediction of the game, I think the Chiefs will be up, like I said 10 minutes ago, the Chiefs will be up 31 to 17 with 12 minutes left in the game, and they'll have their ball, they'll have the ball on their own 20 yard line, and they will decide how they want to finish this game. Do they want to throw three incompletions to stop the clock and punt it back, or do they want to put their trust in Daryl to take the time off the clock? And win it. What about you, Clay? How you how do you see this this uh, matchup shaking down, man? Uh, well, you know when the Chiefs went to Buffalo, uh, it was pretty pretty rainy and cold that day, and uh, Josh Allen he was he was butt to put it lightly yeah, yeah. for about bad. three and a half quarters, and it, it, the weather's going to be even worse on Sunday. I mean, it's it's going to be cold as shit. It's going to be at least like ten degrees colder than it was in Buffalo, and there might be sleet and what we know about the Bills is that if they're going to win this game, it's going to have to be with their passing game. And conditions are not going to be right for that. And just just given that, I have a hard time seeing the Bills coming like 
even as close as the Browns did last week. I mean, the Browns, they don't have the passing game the Bills do, but but their their running game is better, their defense is better. And neither neither of those two elements for the Browns really stopped the Chiefs. Mm. So you kind of have a hard time seeing how the Bills are going to come in and pull this off. But you, Trey. Good point, Clay. What I want to say oh, yeah. about that, Clay brings up a good point. Another thing about the Chiefs and with Josh playing against Josh Allen, Steve Spagnola is really good about covering up the Chiefs' shortcomings and deficiencies. Uh, in Bob Sutton's system, I know his name is supposed to be forgotten, the Chiefs' cornerbacks were always left on an island in the, in the standard 3-4 defense, and the Chiefs' defense and cornerbacks were always exposed. We could say Steve Nelson, Philip Gaines, we could name off a plethora of guys. The Chiefs' shortcomings, and their de- like I said, their deficiencies, Spagnola is able to cover up. If we're concerned about Charvarius Ward, he's going to have an extra safety back there. He's going to go nickel wide to keep those cornerbacks from being exposed. That's what I love about Steve Spagnuolo. We're going to fear Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs and Cole Beasley coming into this Sunday's game. But we know and we trust the Spagnola. Trust is so freaking huge. We trust that Steve Spagnola is going to put the Chiefs defense in a situation to be successful. I'm not going to say there's not going to be a play where a player will give up a 55-yard bomb or a, or a 52-yard run. But for the most part, having Steve Spagnola, I trust him in this big game to slow down Josh Allen to 17 points. I, you know, I hope that prediction comes to comes to fruition, and I hope a guy that's been huge for the Chiefs over the last couple of seasons in the playoffs has something to say about that. And in fact, our guy Shaggy Shane is wearing his jersey right at this very moment. Shane, Shane, hey, Shane came at me this last week. He told me, "Hey, don't you dare, don't you dare talk about my Sammy." And I and I had to I had to kind of pull back for a little bit because you know I'm stating some facts about Sammy Watkins missing his 15th game in three years with the Chiefs and you know I, I'm talking about is he soft is he injury prone I'm asking questions and my dude Shaggy's in my DMs letting me know that's not okay Lance that shit ain't gonna fly with my six five frame that's just not gonna fly so <laughs> let me ask you a question Shaggy because it does sound like Sammy's gonna play in this game or at least he's gonna be active. What are you expecting from my guy uh, Sammy Watkins, and how much is it going to help the Chiefs get this victory uh, against the Bills? Let me say this first. Any, my defense of Sammy Watkins is because he stepped up. He, the Chiefs going far in the playoffs the last two years and winning the Super Bowl is because of uh, obviously it's Patrick Mahomes. Nobody's ever going to take that away from him. Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the National Football League, just like I said he would be before we drafted him. But Sammy Watkins caught the freaking football in all those games. He's the most consistent wide receiver in Chiefs postseason history. Look at the stats. And by being consistent, you have to catch the football. I was four rows in the back of the end zone when the Chiefs had home field advantage in 1995 in January 96. And I watched Lake Dawson, who was 10 feet in front of me, go up and drop the freaking football that would have won the game. In 2003, when the Chiefs played the Indianapolis Colts and nobody punted, but the Chiefs had to settle for a field goal on the opening possession, Mark Bowricker dropped a football 10 feet in front of me. That was freaking huge. We were known for playoff drops. Dick Vermeil spent the entire offseason that year saying, well, if we catch touchdown passes in the playoffs, uh, then, um, you know, we wouldn't have three backwards. So... We spent our entire life, wait, man, what's it like to catch a touchdown in a clutch situation in January? Well, guess what? 
Number 14, Sammy Watkins catches them all in the postseason. Yes, it sucks he's hurt. Yes, it sucks. This was his year to make money. Sammy Watkins signed a one-year deal with incentive-laden clauses to make a whole bunch of money. Guess what? He lost big bucks. And when Sammy Watkins is a free agent come July, he'll be one of them later-tier receivers that'll get signed to a one-year deal. He knows he messed up. It's not his fault. It's just part of the game. But he knows that he fell short. But he steps up in the playoffs. I will always defend any player that took the Chiefs to the championship game and won him the Super Bowl. Was I hard on Andy Reid? Hell yeah, I was. Because his loyalty to Bob Sutton, I feel, cost us the Super Bowl in 18. But guess what? I'm not going to be hard on Andy Reid now because he made the necessary changes and brought us a Super Bowl title and led us back to the AFC Championship game the next year. Props to Andy Reid for that. But to your specific question with Sammy Watkins, his stats in the playoffs don't lie. He missed Sunday, which hurt his stats. But if he comes back and play, I expect him to play well because if you looked at the interview with Sammy Watkins, that he really opened up about uh, the inner vibes of the odyssey of our universe. He said <laughs> when he was drafted by Buffalo, he felt like the he felt like the entire city of Buffalo came down on his shoulders. He felt like he had to deliver for Buffalo. He felt like number fourteen was Buffalo. Well, guess what? Stephon Diggs is wearing that number fourteen jersey a little bit better than Stanley Watkins did. So you know when number fourteen gets on the field this Sunday at Arrowhead, he knows. Hey, I felt like I had to defend Buffalo. I felt like I was Buffalo. I came into this. I came into the NFL as a top five draft pick, being a Buffalo Bill. This game means a lot to Sammy Watkins. And if I'm ever critical to you, freaking Lance Clay, Trevor Gat, Eddie, <laughs> it's only because I love you. So don't take those DMs personal, my brother. <laughs> no, I never do. I just think it's amazing, bro. And, and, and everything you're saying is 100% true. We, we The Chiefs need Sammy Watkins to be out there and to be healthy. And also, just for the poetry side of things, I think this would be beautiful for him to go out there and perform at a high level again against the team that drafted him. I think just, it would be amazing. And you are right. Stephon Diggs has absolutely filled the role that the Bills were trusting Sammy Watkins to be years ago. I just think that when you look at the matchup, and again, Trevor and I are going to break down this in the next segment, I just think when you look at the way the Chiefs have been able to, to, to defend the pass on a consistent basis, I, I don't I don't feel like Stephon Diggs is going to be Stephon Diggs uh, as much as he normally is. So He's a little banged I, up. I trust, Bag, banged up I trust Bagnola, I'm sorry. I trust Bagnola to, put, to have a system to where his cornerbacks aren't exposed. Yes, on the first play of the divisional round last year against Houston Texans, Deshaun Watson was able to expose the Chiefs when they had a hole in the secondary and gave up a 50-yard touchdown bomb. I expect for the long haul 60 minutes, uh, the Chiefs to be able to attack Spagnola. I trust him to be able to attack that defense or that offense from Josh Allen. Remember, Josh Allen last Sunday didn't hand off to the running back once the entire first half. So I trust Spagnola to come up with the system to defend that. Shaggy, where can the people find you on social media, my man? Look up on YouTube, Shaggy Shane Chiefs. And at Shaggy Shane KC on Twitter. I'm not on there as much as you two, but I'm on there sometimes. And uh, Shane Williams on Facebook. 
This is literally, guys. I'm, I'm telling you, this is the ultimate representation of a cheese fan right yep. here. Been around. You, you, know. you need to, you need to cling to this guy. If you th- if you're here with us, you need to be with Shaggy Shane on YouTube for sure. He does a weekly breakdown, a reaction to the games that have already been played. What he expects the next week. He is the most supportive friend I have in this world. This guy constantly shares our content, constantly shares Red Tribe Cinema, contributes, will drop anything and everything to help a brother out. My dude, you're helping me out right now. You're helping a brother out big time in episode 100. I literally would not be able to do this without you, man. You were my first big supporter uh, when I started The Spoken way back when, man. You were the first big time one. And I mean that literally and figuratively. You are you are the best human being I've ever met. And I I really hope you do a couple goose frabas before you go back out there to Tracy in the living room because you are <laughs> fired up, my man. And I hope you bring that fire on Sunday because the team's going to need you, my man. You may not be at that. You know what it's about. Yeah. You may not be out there in person, but they need you, man. They need you. So, um, Shaggy, I I think it goes without saying we definitely appreciate you taking uh, some time out of your Friday night to be with us. I love you, man. You are, like I said, the best human I I know. And thank you so much for being here with us, buddy. I love you guys. I love you, Clay. Take care, man. And Trevor, keep cheering on those kings, buddy. We're going to turn around one day. We're trying, man. We're trying. (laughs) Love you, brother. You have a great night. You too, man. See ya. And that is our guy Shaggy Shane. Without question, the goat. Uh, he is he is the goat. I dare to say he's the Patrick Mahomes of Chiefs fans. Uh, that's that's what I would that's what I would quantify him as. But I, real quick before we take a break, I want to get my guy Clay. I want to get him yeah. to uh, let us know about this new video he's got. Red Tribe Cinema, the heat well, of it. We got okay. So so we we posted our uh, our, little, our little recap of the uh, Browns game. It's it's fun. Uh, it's got a fun, fun, few fun things in there at the end. Uh, have you ever seen the movie uh, Necessary to Roughness? Yeah. Mm. Um, great football movie, great score. We put the score in the Absolutely. video. And uh, so that's, been, that's fun as hell. And then today, because of, because of Lance here, Lance had the idea to drop something when Patrick was cleared officially today. So we, we, uh, that's perfect, man. We just edited a, a little clip from Game of Thrones of Jon Snow being resurrected. Yes. And uh, it's it's yeah. you know, a little quick twenty second clip, but it's it'll get you jacked up, I think, for this weekend. So uh, you can go watch that on Red Tribe Cinema on YouTube or Facebook, and uh, you can see my uh, Twitter handle right there. There it is. Uh, Just point at, right down at, at it. At, at <laughs> Clay if you're, Suck if you're, it. If you're, if you're not watching, Suck you're not it. Watching. <laughs> Suck it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no. My no. handle's right there, bitch. Anyway. Get my handle. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Suck this handle. And uh, we'll, we'll have something for sure for the, uh, the Bills game and uh, uh, if, if all things go well for the Super Bowl, definitely. Baby, definitely. baby. Saving saving the, the real big drop for the, uh, the, the big uh, Lombardi. Sure. I, was, I always feel like, uh, like, I guess, like a privileged... Child, whenever Clay hits me up, he goes, "Hey man, I need you, I need some lines yes. uh, for so, these these, so these if, upcoming shows." So if the Chiefs shows. do win the Super Bowl again, uh, Lance will be reprising his role <laughs> as Fake Mahomes, uh, and we will have a little uh, little uh, shindig called Guardians of the Kingdom mm. for mm. everybody to watch and enjoy, and hopefully like and share. So uh, yeah. Your biggest fan, Scarlet, my niece, is going to yes, absolutely. Her mind's yes. going to explode when she hears she's, this. She's been wanting the Guardians of the Galaxy yep. uh, mashup for like two years. So, yep. You're the absolute best, man. Thank you so much for, for hanging out with us. Uh, for those that don't know, Clay 
uh, and Gat, obviously. I mean, goes without question. Uh, the, both these these folks right here have uh, put so much time of their personal time. I mean, Gat's got kids. You know, Clay's got a. Lot. He's always busy creating something new on on the internet. I don't know how he can. Yeah, the retro cinema is his child, like straight up. And for them to, to, and I'm not just, I mean, you guys are here, obviously, but I'm, I'm saying this with sincerity. For them to, for them to take the time and, and do things like this, when I know you guys can be relaxing and doing literally whatever the hell you want, you're here with us. And, and that is, um, that's humbling. And so I just wanted to tell you, Clay, thank you so much, man, for, for your friendship, for everything you do on the back end of our show, for all the quality you add to this, uh, just for being there, man. You, you've been nothing but a, nothing short of a, of a brother and a, and a great friend, and I really appreciate that. And Gat, you already know how I feel about it. You're the queen of, of Chiefs Kingdom, as I like to say. So it's it's an honor for me to have Shane, who's the OG of Chiefs fans that I know, to have Clay, who's you know creates the best. Most relevant, you know, pop culture style videos and, and keeps fans intrigued, even in the roughest of days, through the Matt Castle era and, and Alex Smith era to to get through that. Clay helped a lot of people through that, definitely myself included, before we even knew each other. And then Gat, like I said, to be able to to promote us the way that she does for our shows. I mean, this this is just I mean, it, I'm humbled, like I said, man. We just started as a bunch of morons talking Chiefs football and still, talking yeah, still. Yeah. yeah, I mean we, yeah. <laughs> we just we just look prettier now. Hey, so you know, we're playing the Bills this week. And so, you know, I got I got to say, where else would you rather be than right here? Right Nothing now? else better. <laughs> there you go, for sure. For so we're sure. gonna take a quick break, guys, because when we get back, Trevor and I are gonna give you guys our thoughts, our breakdown, our analysis, if you will, on this Chiefs Bills matchup. This is the one that I I called a long time ago, and I feel really confident about the result that I also see happening. But we're gonna we're gonna break this one down, guys. I'm really excited to talk about this game. This is what we've been waiting for all season long. We'll get back to that. After this, Casey Hemp Company, your most trusted CBD provider in Kansas City, shipping nationwide. Ancient plant for a new age health. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Casey Hemp Co. Back at it again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number three. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the KCPN studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell. That's good. Clay Windler. What up? You gotta do the, you gotta do the thing. Dude. Yo 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 yo! <laughs> and Miss Gat on the ones and twos, the wizard Suck behind the scenes, handle. making things happen. Yeah, get that handle. You guys see the handle? It's Clay Windler. It's too house. much to handle. Too much to handle. So touch it with both hands. <laughs> the Pee Wee Herman dance, dude. <laughs> that was a. The, the last segment was like a show in itself. I, I'm telling you, I could just sit here and listen to Shaggy like reminisce on a 1991 September game at Arrowhead Stadium. It's just incredible how that guy has a memory. I mean, he was breaking down the because they had uh, NFL Network had the 90, 1993 AFC Championship game against but, the Bills. He, he he recalled what his <laughs> his girlfriend at the time, now his wife, was making for dinner the night that the Bills beat the Chiefs. He the had AFC. the temperature. 
temperature of Kansas City down. He said it was 60 <laughs> degrees. It was an on. on, on a normal warm the wind day was blowing southwest. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like it, it, it's amazing. I mean, you guys aren't following Shaggy. I don't know what the hell you're doing, man. He's the he's the ultimate guy. But we need to get our thoughts. Trevor's been just chilling here with us, just quietly, you know, in his own little world, getting paid, getting paid. You know, just cashing in checks, <laughs> breaking necks. Um, I'm the clock, baby. So we have a rather big game this week, as you guys are all fully aware. Um, the Chiefs. Uh, this is this is a weird thing for me. When the Chiefs beat the Browns, Trevor and I are sitting there celebrating. We're happy as hell, you know, we're doing our thing, you know, and stuff, ripping shirts like Hulk Hogan and shit. And then after that, I just kind of went back to, not that I'm not happy, but it's more of those, I'm getting used to the Chiefs being here. Does that make sense to you guys? Like, it's, it's we're, we're like it, accustomed to answering championships. It's like, it's the law of diminishing returns. Yeah. We've yeah. like already experienced the highest of highs. It's like, it's like being on a drug, dude. Yeah. We need a higher hit to get that high. Well, especially when you've been waiting for that drug your whole life. Yeah. And you finally get <laughs> that high. Johnson. We've been coming down the whole time. Now yeah. we're ready. Like, okay, guys, let's, <laughs> I need to know, you know, put some in me. You know what I mean? Put, <laughs> put some in me there. So, yeah, that's where we're at. I, I definitely, I, that's, no, that's that's how I feel the whole time when I'm watching these games. I'm like, can we just, even like Travis Kelsey was talking about in that interview a few weeks back where he's talking that they've been ready for the postseason since the season started. Right, so I, if we feel that way, can you imagine the way the players, you know, out on the field feel? I, I just, yeah, I definitely am on that train where I'm just like ready for the hardware again, man. So we saw the AFC shape itself out uh, throughout the season. Um, it's a constant revolving door when it comes to how teams are going to be seated, who rises, who falls, who kind of stays in the middle. Before the season started, I really felt like Josh Allen and this young, aspiring Bills team, after you know going up sixteen to nothing against Houston, the Houston Texans in Houston, ended up losing that game. I felt like this Bills team was really on the rise. I felt like they had a lot of young talent. They went and landed Stephon Diggs. You know, Cole Beasley's in year two with this team. I felt like you know what, this is the team I'm gonna I'm gonna bandwagon on. And I picked them to go to the AFC Championship with the Chiefs. And as I stated with Shaggy uh, in the previous segment. Although I did have the Bills in this game facing the Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium months ago, that doesn't mean that I necessarily believe that that's a team that can take down the Chiefs, if that makes sense. I mean, you have matchups all the time further along in the playoffs, and you think, well, because these two teams are facing off, that must mean that one of these or both of these teams can beat each other. That's not necessarily the case. And I don't mean that in any disrespect whatsoever because I got nothing but love and respect for Bill's Mafia. I call them the cousins of Arrowhead. I mean, we are like the same blood. We're just from two different places in the country. I think that the Bills deserve everything they've gotten to this point. Absolutely. To get to where they're at, to to overcome decades. We understand how this is here in Kansas City. Decades of, of just disappointment and under under uh, uh, you know undervaluing the team or uh, you know not giving the, the the fans what they want or what they're so loyal you know loyally fighting through, which is just despair and losses after losses and JP Lossman and you know all these other things that this Bills team is, has has handed their team other than victories. They're finally there, and and it's so great to see. And I saw a crazy stat that every twenty seven years. The Chiefs and Bills have faced in the AFC Championship. Mm-hmm. That's an absolutely absurd stat. It's it's like the Jim Morrison, Janis Joplin, uh, Jimi Hendrix. They all died at twenty seven. It like falls into that same kind of category of just weird things that happen in life. Well, it's not weird to me that this this matchup's happening. I I truly believe these were the two best teams in the AFC. But I stand firm in my belief in where the Chiefs are and where everyone else is. 
I told you guys from the very beginning of the season, I have not shaken. I have not, I have not changed my tune at all. The Chiefs are the only true contender in the AFC, in my opinion. Could the Bills find a way to beat the Chiefs? Yes. But I don't believe that's going to happen. In fact, I don't really think that this game is going to be much of a game in all actuality. I actually stand more on the side of where Shaggy Shane is on the Chiefs just really owning this game throughout. Because unlike, I mean, the fact that, yes, they ran the ball 46 times in the Week 6 game, you would say that's them dominating that game. I don't believe it's going to be the same type of game. I don't believe that the Chiefs are going to go out there and run the ball damn near 50 times. But could the Chiefs run or, or... handle the, the, the Bills and the way this game goes in a, in a different way, but but as, as consistently, yes. Because of the fact that in that game, although Patrick Mahomes didn't do a lot, he had 225 yards, two touchdowns, what he did was he was precise in his throwing. He, had tw- he completed 81% of his passes in that game. I would like to believe if Patrick Mahomes threw the ball 12 to 15 more times in that game, he's completing 75 to 80% of those passes which means that we have been just as effective in the pass game as they were in the run game that day. And I do agree with Shaggy. I don't believe that they're going to put all the pressure on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And the emergence of Daryl Williams, a healthy Daryl Williams, is going to help things and change a lot of things. The climate is going to play a factor. But if we know anything about Patrick Mahomes, we know that that motherfucker can spin it in anything. He said it himself, and he's proven it each and every time he's played in inclement weather. I am as confident in this Chiefs team as I ever have been. Close victories, blowouts. Doesn't matter what the experience is. Doesn't matter how they beat teams. The fact is they keep doing it. The media has to spin it, and I get why they do it. They have to spin it in a way to keep things interesting because it gets old after a while when you just keep talking about how great the Chiefs are. So I understand the pushback. But the the problem that the media has to face each and every time is... The Chiefs proved them wrong every single time because they continue to win games. The Bills have gotten better. The Bills are a better team than they were in Week 6. That doesn't mean they're better than the Chiefs, and that doesn't mean they're at the same level as the Chiefs. I'm not going to oversimplify this matchup. I'm not going to sit here and tell you guys that the Bills can't win this game because they can. But they have a lot of disadvantages the Chiefs don't have. And we've already touched on it. The fact that they're going to go into Kansas City, it's going to be cold. There's going to be weather involved. And they can't run the ball when it's warm and sunny outside. That is a major factor. That is a lot of pressure on Josh Allen, who has had an MVP caliber season. But when he does not have a run game to rely on, as our guy Shaggy Shane stated, you have to have a run game in the playoffs. The Chiefs, the reason why the Chiefs' playoff run last season was so large and such a great and, and unique run wasn't just the fact they were down double digits in every single playoff game and ended up winning by double digits in every single playoff game. It's the fact they didn't have the run game that most teams that win the Super Bowl do have. They finished the season 23rd in the league in running. They had Damian Williams as, as their premier running back. And I love Damian Williams. He's not a premier running back. So that's not going to happen on a normal basis. And the, and, and the problem the Bills have, they don't even have a Damian Williams. And they lost Zach Moss. And they lost Zach Moss. That's their banger. Yeah. So we are looking at a team that has earned every single stripe they've gotten so far. The problem from them, and I again, I'm so happy for Bills Mafia, guys. The problem they face is the greatest juggernaut I believe the NFL has ever seen. This is the greatest run I've ever seen a team have. And I think the Chiefs are going to continue to do that. And you can't win Super Bowls if you don't get there. The Chiefs are going to win this game. 
We can break down our thoughts, the final thoughts of how we see this thing going. But I'm going to get my guys' thoughts on this because I've been running my mouth too damn long. Trevor, how do you see this one going? Yeah, it's funny. We're As Chiefs fans, we're in this weird, unique dilemma where with the Chiefs being, like Clay said, being 24-1 and one, uh, in the last 25 games, like we're so used to winning and figuring out ways to win, even if we have bad games, where we have to – previewing every single game, every single week, postseason, doesn't matter – we had to try to convince ourselves certain ways that other teams can win. When in the back of our minds, we know that we're not confident in any team beating the Chiefs. We're, but we're overtly confident, confident, confident in the Chiefs winning. No matter how they do it, we're just confident that they're going to win. So it's hard sometimes to pick a way where we can see the opposing team squeaking out a win against us. Um, that's just that's just the confidence I have in this team. But as far as how this game, I see this game going. If it's going to be if it's going to be a sleet type game, and this it is fifty five percent, I believe, chance of uh, icy rain, um, which is probably the worst kind of weather you can play in in football. And rain is probably the worst, but when it's icy and rainy, that is hard on receivers to run routes properly, and definitely hard on on cornerbacks and DBs to <laughs> defend, especially when you get the, the speedsters that we have. So I think it's going to be a long day for that 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 cornerback crew and Buffalo. I think Tyreek is going to eat. I think Travis Kelsey is once again going to eat this those those small because Buffalo has a small linebacker linebacker core. They're quick. They they have speed. They I, I truly believe they built that team to defend the speed of our our weaponry. It just doesn't work because we're faster still. And when you have when you have undersized linebackers that are speedsters, that also opens up the running game, which is why we ran the we ran all over them in week six, right? And that's not something we do. That's not our offense. Our offense is not a run-heavy offense. It's just not. And I could definitely see us doing that again. I could see Darrell Williams is absolutely going ham in this game again. He looked great last week. He was getting chunk play after chunk play. He, as soon as he touches the ball, he he goes for it. He's he just looked very very motivated. Um, and I think if Clyde, if that can take some of the pressure off Clyde, I think Clyde can definitely. Um, I think Clyde will be more in the backup role because I don't think he's obviously not fully prepared to to take on the lead role. Le'Veon's probably not going to play. Um, this this could be a nasty game. I I mean I fully expect us to put up points. Um, no one passes more more in this league offensively than the Buffalo Bills. They're the most pass heavy team in the league. They they and they lost their bruiser back like you said, uh, um, in Zach Moss. So that's that's their goal line guy. So now their goal line guy, their bruiser back is going to be Josh Allen. So we're, I think we're going to see a lot of option plays with Josh Allen. I think Josh Allen's going to run a lot um, to keep our defense on their toes. I think that's their best strategy to open up downfield plays for them. Um, Josh Allen's scary right now, man. He's playing really good. He hasn't looked particularly great in the postseason so far, but that's a guy that can open up a game. And Stephon Diggs, I will say too, Stephon Diggs is a little banged up. He has a couple soft tissue things going on right now, so he's not 100%. He'll be great still. He's still himself, but he didn't do much against us when he was fully healthy in week six. So um, we, we tend to, to, to cap those elite receivers pretty well. We don't ever really let many elite receivers get off on us. Um, I don't know how. We, we, we structure our defense to not allow uh, offenses to take the top off. So And that's what Buffalo does. You know, They'll run the option. Josh Allen will, will scramble, get you know, a good chunk play here and there, and then he'll, he'll take the top off your defense. Um, I don't think we're going to allow that. That's why I think we're a bad matchup for Buffalo. Um, I think Pat's going to absolutely go off in this game. I really, really do. I don't care about the weather. And I mean, if it's windy, that's one thing that will definitely affect. We saw last game, uh, but it, it was windy last game, and it's not going to be as windy as it was this past game against the Browns. And Pat was looking, he looked just fine to me. Um, 
there was a couple ducks out there that he threw, but they still got there. That's all that matters. Um, I think Pat's going to just dismantle it. I think this is going to be an entirely different game plan. I know we could. E- it's easy to go back to how did we beat him the first time? We ran the ball all over him. Let's just do that again. I think Pat's. Gonna, I think this is. Pat knows that Josh Allen is one of his, you know, competitive guys around his age. A guy that they've had, you know, back and forth about who who has the bigger arm. There's that narrative. I think Pat's going to want to go out there and show out. I know he was hurt. He didn't get to finish the game. That that killed him. He wanted to be out there, not Chad Henney. Um, so I think Pat's going to come out of there with this fire under his ass. I this is what I want. Like we talked about when we were previewing the Browns game. We I want. I told you we were going to come out like gangbusters, like we did against the Bucks. That's what we wanted to see. That's what we expected. We we had, we had the bye week to prepare. Our our emotions were just stirred up. We wanted to see him go out there and just light it up. Um, I think that I think we would have put up you know a lot more points in the Browns game if we would have finished with Pat. But that's what I'm expecting in this game. I'm expecting Pat to go out there and throw for at least three to four touchdowns. I really really do. I don't. I think that this this Bills defense is not very good. They're undersized. They're fast, but they're undersized. And I think we're going to utilize that. I think Kelsey and Tyreek are absolutely going to just. Eat these, eat that secondary alive. That's my opinion, and I think the Bills will be trailing us for the most part. I think it will be a competitive game because both these offenses can put up points, man. Um, but I think in the long run, Pat's going to just do what he does. We're going to go get a W, man, and I think Pat's going to have the box score to show for it. Mr. Red Tribe Cinema Clay Windler, how do you? I know you you touched on it yeah. a little bit in the last segment. How, how do you see this one shaking down uh, ultimately? Some key factors. I, well, you know, <clears throat> Chiefs already they already slayed this beast. I mean. Before the Chiefs went into Buffalo, everybody was sitting there talking about, oh, hey, the Bills are going to be too much for the Chiefs, and this is finally going to be the team that knocks off. You had them losing to them. I mean, the Chiefs just went in there, and they proved they were the better team. Yep. And they did it without Sammy Watkins, and they did it without Jarius Sneed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, Trevor, I mean, I didn't even know this, but when you said the Bills, they throw, throw the ball more than anybody. Yeah. So the Bills' plan is to beat the Chiefs with their passing game. And they're going to try to do that this time around against a team that has two more weapons in the passing game on both sides of the ball that they didn't have. Mm. And they're on the road. And I just... I mean, the only way I can see the Bills winning this game is if there are, like, freak turnovers because of the weather. I mean, and and that could happen, but it, it just seems like for I mean, people in the past have said have said the Chiefs are like a one trick pony, which is what they said like in twenty eighteen when yeah. the Chiefs were were a one trick pony for the most part. That's what the Bills are now, and I, I I just don't see this team losing to a team who has. They got throwing the ball, and they don't have much else. Yep, they yeah. don't have complimentary football. Well, let me let me throw this by you guys real quick on this on this um, on this matchup in particular. You guys remember last season, and obviously we want to forget about it as much as possible. When Patrick Mahomes went down with the injury, the knee injury in Denver, I believe that was Week Six uh, as well. The Chiefs were reeling uh, offensively and defensively. They're having issues and consistencies at that point of the season. Patrick Mahomes goes down. You think the season's over. Luckily, they only missed him for two weeks. But you saw something change in this team when they lost Patrick Mahomes, the, the guy that they oftentimes rely on to make magic happen. That's what he does. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times they've relied on him to do that too often. When they lost him, this team 
unified and they 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 was they were galvanized at that point because they knew that they could not rely on 15 to get them victories and i was at that game when they beat the vikings who by the way their fans outnumbered chiefs fans it seemed at that stadium at arrowhead and the chiefs won practically a road game at home by a game-winning field goal and it was you saw patrick mahomes running on the field jumping getting excited because this team was back you know they were six and four i believe at the time um, uh, when Patrick Holmes was coming back. And you just saw a difference on this team as a collective. Well, this time around, Patrick Mahomes goes down against the Browns. And you saw the team win a game as a team. You know, Chad Henney goes out there, lays his body out on the line, 35-year-old Chad Henney getting 13 and a half yards and then making this clutch-ass throw. Andy Reid, you know, showing, like, Ed, like our guy Shaggy said, showing his nuts out there yep. and, and being aggressive, doing something that literally has never happened yep. in the history of the NFL where a running a quarterback, uh, the, the, uh, there was an actual stat that came out. That's the first time in the history of the playoffs that a team on their own side of the field went for it on fourth and one, throwing the ball with an empty backfield. Never happened before. That's just that's just crazy. Like Andy Reid literally went against history, and it happened. And I feel like this galvanized the Chiefs. And here's another little twist that I want to throw you guys away because you're right, Clay. The Chiefs did slay this beast already. Yeah. But there was a beast that came out of it afterwards. What I mean by that is this: whether they want to acknowledge it or not, players pay attention to the media. What have we been hearing for the last month and a half? Chiefs should be blowing out everybody. Yes. And then on the flip side. Who's been the biggest sweetheart amongst all teams? The Bills. Everyone's talking Bills. Everyone's talking about Aunt Patrick Mahomes isn't even the second in the MVP candidacy right now. You don't think they're listening to that thing. We know we do. We know he does in particular because when the NFL 100 came out and they ranked him as the number four player, the number three quarterback in the league, what did he tweet? He's writing notes. And what was the best game Patrick played this year? Uh, Buccaneers game. I, I, I was going to say Baltimore. Oh, at 385 Close. yards, three touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I can get that one. And I think part of the reason that he went off in Baltimore is because everybody was talking about Lamar Jackson. That's a fair point, too. And and, and to the point, Tom Brady, he faces Tom Brady. He wants to go Brady's off, throws 462 yards. Same. Yeah, You're right. That, that's my point. Is whenever the Chiefs have had to make a statement, they've made yeah. the statement. Even the Saints, a meaningless game. The Chiefs didn't have to win that game to still clinch the one seed in the AFC. They go out there and drop 32 on a defense that hadn't allowed 30 points to that point of the well, season. I think one time same, besides the Packers game. Same with the Raiders game. Yeah. Exact same deal. Statement games. Yeah. This is a statement yeah. game. Even though the Chiefs have beaten the Bills, they haven't beaten the myth of the Bills that has been created. Not that, again, the Bills deserve to be where they're at. Sure. But they haven't won anything yet. They have to get past the Chiefs, and the Chiefs know they control their own destiny by, without question at this point. They have to beat the team everyone's praising that's already putting dirt on the Chiefs' grave. They're already already praising this team to be the face of the AFC. Is Josh, you know, Pro Football Talk just came out with an article today. Is Josh Allen already better than Patrick Holmes? A lot of experts think so. Clickbait. You know, it's all this stuff that's coming out. I guarantee you the team's paying attention to this stuff. They'll deny it. But they're paying attention to this stuff, and it's it's only fuel. At this point, I feel like the media almost does it intentionally to help the Chiefs we're out. We're talking about Josh Allen being the face of the league if he beats Patrick Mahomes. I mean, this is the That's, absurdity that was a real we're talking thing. about here. Yeah. Yep. And, and we're on the side of we believe the Bills are for real, we believe Josh Allen's for real. They're to be respected. They're Absolutely. to be respected. Absolutely. Don't disrespect our guy in well, order coach. to respect the Bills. Yeah. 
well coached team, man. I, mean, I think I think the Chiefs are going to handle this one. Uh, I think if the if Patrick Mahomes would have been healthy against the Browns, the Chiefs would have won that game by double digits. Yeah. I think the Chiefs are going to beat the Bills by double digits. I think the Chiefs are going to get into the middle 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 to late thirties in this game. They're going to score early and often. They're going to put away the rust theory once again because Patrick didn't get to play a full game against the Browns. They're going to score a lot of points in this game. And I think that the Bills are going to struggle because they cannot run the ball. Trevor, how do you see it playing? And what is that? I mean, I'll just piggyback right off of what you just said right now. When teams are trailing, they are more prone to making mistakes. When Josh Allen, who is it? You say what you want. If you watch him this year, and I've watched damn near every single game of Josh Allen this year, I'm a big fan of. But the guy gets very impatient. He has a little bit of Jameis Winston in him when he wants to do too much at times, especially when he's trying to come back in the biggest game of his life is this weekend. So I feel like he's going to really have a lot on his shoulders to want to make you know, the, every play. And he's a guy that has tendencies that will, like I said, Jameis Winston-like, where he'll try to do too much. He'll throw the ball when he's falling down. He'll try to make the extra mile. He'll try to you know, run somebody over and get himself hurt or something. He's a big guy. I understand that. But I think... I think with the, with the Bills trailing, I think that there's, we're going to see some Josh Allen mistakes. We saw some Josh Allen mistakes against that Colts defense, right? That could have cost him that game. There was a couple plays there. You know, that one that could have been that interception in the end zone, but it ended up not being an interception. That would have changed that entire game, right? And I think, and I think none of us have talked about it yet, but our defense, I'll go back to it. Our defense is, is, is clicking right now. Tyra Matthew is everywhere. If we have Tyra Matthew out there spying Josh Allen, and that weather's nasty, and Josh Allen's trailing and forcing throws. There's going to be some picks. It's just, it's just is what it is. I know Josh Allen has definitely cleaned up the picks this year, and he's only thrown I think one pick in his last ten or eleven games. But this defense knows how to find the football, man. We 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 do for we say what you want. We've been burnt by some players. We've we've allowed some points in certain games, but we know how to snipe sniff out the football. And Tyra Matthew is on one right now. Yeah. Frank Clark is on one right now. Chris Jones is ready to eat and. and, and I'll say it too. Our defense, we we are prepared for the quarterbacks in this division, the AFC, and all three of the big dogs and the quarterbacks in this in the, in the AFC are all rushing quarterbacks: Deshaun Watson, Josh Allen, and Lamar Jackson. Those guys we know can escape the pocket and do some damage, but we our defense is prepared for those kind of guys, and we own those guys. The the deadliest runner of them all, Lamar Jackson, is our son. Right? We've sunned this man. We've sunned all of these guys. Right, so I'm not. I, this, our defense is built for these 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 games. Our defense is built for these kind of quarterbacks. We struggle more against the old pocket court passers. Honestly, if we're if we're being honest with ourselves, we let Drew Brees put some points on us. We we let Tom Brady march right back into that game. We should never let him do that. We struggle more about the, with the guys that can read our defenses and and not depend on their athleticism. So these guys that depend on their athleticism, like Josh Allen, I think he's going to try to do too much. I think it's going to cost him. I think we're going to have the lead for the majority of the game, if not the entire game. They're going to trail. They're going to try to come back the whole time in this bad weather. I, I expect some Josh Allen mistakes that are going to be costly. We're going to win this game. Clay, how do you see this game shaping out at the uh, end? So I, I think the weather is going to slow down both teams, but I think the Chiefs are more well-equipped to be efficient in that weather. So I think you're going to see like a 28-17 type score. Um and another thing about the weather, uh, weather, especially if it's wet, sleet, icy, it's going to slow down the pass rush. And the Bills already don't have a pass right. rush, so I, I they're guess. a light defense. They have a lot of smaller yeah. guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I see, I see, I see this game going a lot like the Bears game from last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chiefs offense it wasn't like 
flashy or explosive in that game, but they were really, really efficient. I think they held that Bears team to three points in that game, too. Yes. So you see well, a... Well, so Bills have Josh Allen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mitch, Mitch Trubisky, <laughs> yeah. obviously. I think we're going to score defensive so, touchdown. But, but I, I really think what, what Shane said about Spagnuolo and just how how poorly Allen played in that first game because of the weather. Yep. I, think, I think it's just too much for them. So I, I think you're going to see kind of a, a little lower scoring game than people would think. But, uh, yeah, about, about 28-17. All right, there you have it, guys. That's our uh, final thoughts on this matchup against the Bills. The Chiefs and Bills start off, I believe it's at 5, what, 5.40 uh, Central Time, 6.40 Eastern Time. Yeah. Yeah, so it's going to be an early-ish evening game, which I kind of like. I kind of dig that. It's a noon game with the Bucks and Packers. Um, we can you know talk about that another time. We're going to give you guys our predictions on Sunday as well. Uh, we do that each and every Sunday morning, uh, give you guys our predictions of what games are on. But we need to get to you guys. Obviously, you guys can let us know in the mention in the in the comment thread of, as to what you guys have for this game, how you see this game shaking out. Give us your your breakdowns, your points, and just give us score totals, whatever you guys got. But in the meantime, while you guys are typing that out, we're going to get to the Monday mailbag, which is also you guys. You guys are pretty much just taking over the rest of the show. We'll get back to that after this. Midcoast Modern is a Kent City focus on modern handmade and small brands. A resource for design-centric home goods, apparel, jewelry, artwork, and limited edition gifts. We support makers, artists from the Midcoast and bring in goods from makers, artists around the U.S. to offer a unique selection. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. It is time for the Monday Mailbag. What we do each and every week is we give you, the listening and viewing audience, the opportunity to take over the show for a certain amount of time, an extended period of time. It depends on how large the Monday Mailbag is. Sometimes we've had like, three or four questions. Other times we've had 15 to 20. So I have no idea. I don't check every week. It's a little rule I made for myself, so that way I don't prepare for the questions. I'm giving you guys an authentic take. So nevertheless, let's get to it, Trevor. What is in the Monday Mailbag this week? All right. So... It starts off with a statement, not a question, uh, from Nathan Bailey. Uh, he said, The fact that there is analysts and commentators that truly believe that Kareem, that the Chiefs gave up, quote-unquote, gave up on Kareem Hunt is embarrassing. So that was a statement. Yeah. Um, next question is by our guy Brian Herbert. Uh, which one was better, Mahomes last year versus Tennessee, or anything is possible? Uh, I think it's without question the Mahomes run. Uh, it, it, Look, Henny's was 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 awesome because no one expected that. They're, obviously, they're equally as as big, I think, almost. I I don't think so. Just well, and I hate it wasn't doing a that because play. yeah, it's a scoring play. Yeah. The Chiefs were also trailing at that moment. It was going into the half, and to be honest with you, I think it just I think it just changed everything in that game because the Titans were playing good football at that point, <laughs> and when Mahomes pl- ran that in, it kind of I felt like it broke the Titans because like. Well, fuck! This guy's beating us in the air. He just ran a twenty-five <laughs> yard way, touchdown. Yeah, and the way it happened, he like tipped to yeah, the Yeah, and he faked. I love that little movie. Does where he fakes the the, the linebacker like yeah. into the you know the, the delay. Yeah, yeah, it's head fake. Yeah, it's, it was it's amazing. Like, yeah, it was like a crossover. Yeah, he yeah. breaks like three tackles on his way down. Like to me, I no disrespect. I hate doing this. I don't want to make it sound like I don't love the chat any play. I do. You hate it. But the Patrick Mahomes play just it, it might be the greatest play in Arrowhead State. Might be his history. greatest play of his career. That's exactly what I was gonna say. Yeah. I think about the, the handy play. 
so like if, if you think if you think the Henny plays better, you have what we call recency bias. Yes. Yep. Uh, I mean, the Chiefs still likely win that game if Henny doesn't do that. Right. If if Patrick doesn't score against the Titans, yeah. That's what I'm saying. I don't know. I yeah. Mean, so. That might be – I mean, Pat's known for his arm, and his biggest play in the postseason might be that run. You know, yes, in his yeah. career, in his career yeah. so far to this day, that might be the biggest play in his postseason career. Airhood's been, Airhood's been around since the damn 60s, guys, and that's the greatest play I think that's ever been performed at that stadium. Well, also, so. an additional fact to the Henny run, he didn't get the first down. <laughs> you know what I mean? So if he got the first down, that would have been a much bigger – I'm just saying. Like, it was great. It was an emotional moment. We got there, obviously, but – to be honest, the only reason that the Henny run will go down as anything yeah. is because they converted the fourth down. Thank you. The fourth down is greater. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. If he the got fourth the, yeah. down is greater than the run. The yes. fact that he converted that was incredible. Yeah, for sure. Because he could have only got yeah. like three yards yeah. out of it and converted if, if, a pass. If, if they right. don't convert on fourth down or they pump the ball, nobody remembers that run. Yeah, and I mean, there's a big moment too because the, the Browns were gaining momentum. They just scored. You know, Kareem was eating at that moment. So, that yeah, to put the game away like that was a huge moment. But, yeah. Pat's run against Tennessee was all time. Man. Good question, though. That yeah, yeah, I like question. it. It's fun. Um, next question is Donny Couch. He says, "Hey guys, what are your thoughts about the greatest quarterback of all time, Chad Henning, leading us to victory?" <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that might have just destroyed yeah. our, you know, answer on that previous one. Recency Look, bias, yeah. It, this is awesome. I, I'm gonna be on, I'm gonna be real with everybody. I don't know if anybody remembers this, but when Did Matt Chad Moore, start? Matt Moore wasn't brought in as the backup per se to Patrick Mahomes. He's still like. You know, a part of the team, kind of. He's like the COVID quarterback, if you will. Um, when they decided to kind of flip them back to where Henny was the, the backup to Patty, I, I didn't like that as much because I think Matt Moore he kind of deserved getting that spot last season with right. what he did in those two games that he had to start for the Chiefs. To see Chad Henny do what he did to to bring that part of the you know conversation back, um, I loved it because his his kids are there. And I'm trying to visualize it because I'm not a father, but I, you know, I, I'm I'm an, I'm an uncle to a couple kids, man, and to like visualize just them in the stands. And I'm a 35 year old quarterback, a journeyman that hasn't, you know, started one game in how many years? I think it was five or six years. You know, to to have fewer pass attempts over the last few years than Chase Damn Daniel. Well, imagine the pressure on your shoulders, to, too, yeah, filling to, in for Pat. And, and this is, and I'm not trying to change the subject here, yeah. but it's adding to it. This is the genius of Andy Reid. And I will get, and you guys know I criticize Andy, but I'm going to give him his credit when credit is due for sure. For, for him to rest the starters was more genius than just resting the starters. He got Chad Henney some opportunities and some snaps and some attempts, some confidence in that Week 17 game against the Chargers. They didn't win the game against the Chargers, but that gave Chad Henney some momentum. And then two weeks later, he's thrown into the biggest part of the game. Clay might be right. The Chiefs may very well still win that game. But I think I think if you remember the, the play to Travis Kelsey, that rope, that frozen rope, they got the Chiefs down to the 20, and then they, they ended up getting a penalty to go all the way back. But throws like that and yeah. perform, a performance, a short, condensed performance, like Chan Hinney gave the Chiefs and gave the nation, quite frankly, I don't know, and I'm not so certain it happens, if he doesn't play Week 17. I don't know, because he might have been a little cold. He might not have been as confident. Even though he's an, an aged veteran that's been around a long time, there's something to having some reps of late to be able to have that opportunity. So it's nothing short of amazing what happened. And I, and, and Chad Henney absolutely played his way into history of Kansas City. And he will never pay for a barbecue or a beer ever again in Kansas no. City. That is without question. Yeah, my favorite part about the whole sequence of him 
every single snap he he played was the fact that he threw that terrible, god awful interception, and then the greatness happened. And he tried that. to take responsibility for well, that the resilient the resiliency of our backup, the resiliency of an, an like you said an aging quarterback that knew everything was on his shoulders to lead this team to victory with all that pressure on his shoulders, filling in for the greatest quarterback in this league, and to figure it out. To go out there and make that big mistake that could have cost us the game, that big turnover, it was a terrible throw. And he and he, and he kept his head straight. The coaches on the sidelines kept his, his head straight. You know, he didn't crumble under pressure. He didn't make another mistake. He held onto the ball when he did do that. When he did run that football, he held onto the ball, didn't lose it, tried his best to get that first down, and then eventually converted it and put the game away. Yeah, that whole sequence is just amazing. That's going to go down to the books, especially if we finish the season off like we want to, getting another chip. This is going to add to the great story. Like I made that post a few days ago on Facebook talking about the Chiefs just cannot have a normal path so far since Pat's been here. We can just not have a normal path in the postseason. We got to have we got to have deficits. We got to have injuries. We got to overcome. We got to have all these things. It's just going to add to the story, man. It's it's, it's going to be a great story to look back on. Um, for twenty five years, this fan base dreamed of a game manager winning a playoff game <laughs> at home. Eat your heart out, Alex Smith. <laughs> Not, no, every single yeah, yeah, game yeah. manager. Going, even going back more than 25 years, going yeah. back to DeBerg yeah. and Craig. Okay, So when Chad Henney scrambled for what was it, four, 13 yards, 13.9 yards, yeah, exactly. yeah, 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 yeah. and then won the freaking game on the next snap, Twenty-five years of like, like the irony. fans yeah. hoping and pining for for guys who weren't that great to win playoff games. Suddenly happened. So it might like the way Chad Henney won that game is exactly how everybody wanted Alex Smith to win a playoff game yeah. home for for what was it? Five years. So are we going to give Patrick half a win on that one? Because Henny's obviously Chad Henny should start next. You're crowning him. <laughs> You're, you're crowning him. Chad Henney needs to start. Why, that's why everybody is so in love with this moment. <laughs> yeah. Because Chad Henney yeah, might yeah. as well have had like Craig and DeBerg and Green and Bono and Gerbach. He channeled and all of them. Smith. He and, channeled them. And fucking Matt Castle. <laughs> he might as well have had the spirits of all of yes. the Like possessing him at that moment. <laughs> that's a great take. Clay. That was like all it. their capabilities like and talents it. in one. It was Derek Thomas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. Tell me about it. All right, so next question is also a Donnie Couch question. Uh, thoughts on KD and Harden's chemistry, and could they trade Kyrie? Oh, I like it. An NBA question. This is something we should have gave Shaggy. No, <laughs> Shaggy made sure yeah. and told Clay, and I don't give me any NBA questions. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Even though he's the one that did drop the Kings reference, Trevor. Hey. I mean, it's almost like Shaggy was asking for Somebody it. Somebody I could talk to Kings basketball about. Um, the, the chemistry is going to be there because Harden and Kevin Durant played together back in OKC years ago, and they had some success. Uh, they made it to the Western Conference Finals twice in a row, got to the Finals in 2012, got mopped by LeBron in the heat. Um, but the chemistry is definitely there. They're going to score a fuck ton of points because the Nets just are that skilled offensively. But it's going to be equally as bad on the defensive side, which is ironic because their head coach is Steve Nash, who also himself never played defense. So it's kind of a cultural thing that's going on out there in Brooklyn. Um, will they trade Kyrie? I don't think so because, quite frankly, guys, I don't think you could ever get an ROI on, uh, on, on on Kyrie Irving at this point. If he was still playing basketball at a consistent place and he had his head in the right spot. Especially yeah, with the recent shit. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I mean, I, I, will, I will give Kyrie some credit. He's been very 
Uh, he's done a lot of really good things. He bought George Floyd's family a house. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's done some really good stuff. He's off a the good court. person. Yeah. You still got to show up to work, though, man. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think the Nets, for that fact fact alone, are going to be able to trade him for anything. So I think they're just going to, you know, tough it out and see what they get from him this season. And I think, like I said, the Nets are going to score a crap ton of points. Will Kyrie be a part of that? I don't know, but I definitely know that KD and Harden will be. I mean, my thoughts on the chemistry between KD and Harden. It looks great. Those guys have played so much basketball together. I mean, regardless of the, nevertheless, the fact that they played together on a team before in the league, but they play a lot of basketball in the offseason together. These guys have trained together. These guys have known each other forever, right? These guys have played AAU basketball together. These guys go way back. A lot of these guys do, but not everybody has chemistry. Those guys, those two guys in particular, definitely have chemistry, and it works. The only X factor here is Kyrie, is how that's going to work with Kyrie and Harden. That's the biggest thing for me. KD is going to mesh. We saw KD go over there to the Warriors and a ball dominant guard and, and Steph Curry, and it worked. Yeah. Because KD can very well be a complimentary piece. He doesn't have to be the alpha, and we all know he's not. So um, I'm just saying, like, I, 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 the, the guys, those two guys' chemistry is obviously flawless. Those guys play very well together, and we've seen them put up big games already since they've been in that. Um, Kyrie is definitely the X factor, and we'll get to that later. But next question. Uh, from Ben Hall. I don't know. Did you want to touch no, on the Nets? No. I, 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 figured, <laughs> I, like, I figured you didn't. That's why I didn't. I will say, if y'all want me to answer an NBA question, Dirk Nowitzki needs to come out of retirement. Because <laughs> that's well, literally the to... only part of the NBA I've ever cared about. Ironically, he was supposed to go help coach the Nets. That's who That's who. Uh, really? That's who that's Steve right. Nash wanted to help. Yeah, he wanted to be his assistant coach, but he that turned it down. Get me to watch the Nets. There you go. Yeah. We got Clay in the NBA Dirt, hey. now. I mean, I mean, hey, listen, Dirk shot it down, though. I was raised on Steve I'll come Nash. Back Dude, I'm a, I'm a diehard Dirk fan. I love Dirk Nowitzki. I'll come anyways. There we go. Okay, yeah. fair enough. That's He's on NBA and TNT. Shaq is way uh, For good reason. Yeah, yeah. what he was saying the other night was yeah. pretty stupid. He said the Donovan Mitchell was some bullshit. It was some yeah. pretty stupid stuff. Yeah, we They've been on a roll lately. I don't know why. Chat, go yeah. for it. If Lance and Kelsey got in a fight, who would win and why? I'd whoop his ass. <laughs> Actually, I was, I was going to say. That's a pretty, that's a random this question. related. I don't know what it is because in real life, like, they're almost the same height. But <laughs> it's the reason, angle. I know. Like, wah, wah. For some reason on the screen, <laughs> Lance looks I like was, yeah. Hagrid from Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah. And Trev looks like Harry Potter. Yeah, I look, yeah. <laughs> Like it's like there's some kind of weird. Like remember it's, when they filmed yeah. Lord of the Rings and they had all this weird forced perspective on the Hobbits, so they look small. That's what was going on here. It's movie magic. So it is movie magic. Oh shit! I'm much taller, guys. Don't worry about it. <laughs> no, to answer the question though, uh, yeah, I, I'd, I'd totally clear him out. Um, Travis don't have a chance. Yeah. Don't don't show Travis this video though, please. I'll try not to. That's why you got to fight him naked. Uh, yeah, next I, question. I met Travis Kelsey in person. He's quite wiry for how big he looks. He's, he's yeah. two hundred sixty pounds, but yeah, you're right. He's he's a wiry he's fellow. Man. He's a really nice. He's so a I'm great dude. Like one good one good. I think punch. yeah. I think I think out of just like sympathy, he'd just be like, all right, Lance, you win, you win. I tap, I tap. He well, would, I mean, yeah. you're right at ball level, so. <laughs> I'm uh, at the navel. Nah, he cracked out as a great dude, man. <laughs> All right, so next question. <laughs> Moving on from that topic. Ben Hall, uh, is Tyron Matthew the greatest free agent signing the Chiefs ever made? Question mark. You know, I, I thought about this one because I actually heard people say this on, uh, on I think Nick, our guy Nick Wright was even saying that. Um, 
It's hard to determine that exactly because yeah. every single free agent has had a certain level of value at the time they played for the Chiefs. Because I mean, you look at Priest Holmes, yeah. you look at Willie Rofe, you know, like uh, there, there's a lot of guys. I mean, even Brian Waters, he was a free agent pickup the Chiefs went and got from the Dallas Cowboys when he was originally a tight end, and he ended up becoming one of the greatest interior offensive linemen in the history of the NFL. And it's it, it's really hard to say. I will say this. I would confidently say Tyron Matthew is the greatest free agent defensive player the Chiefs have ever picked up. I would say that with with utter confidence. I I don't think it's any question because he's not just a results changer. He's a culture changer. This guy brought something to this team that they have not had since the 90s. And I don't say that lightly. The Chiefs have had very soft defenses through the 2000s. And in 2010, you know, Derek Johnson brought some of that and everything like that, but it, he was a late bloomer with Kansas City. Mm. Him and Todd Haley didn't see eye to eye. He was getting benched, and it took him a while to really become what DJ was. Day one, Tyron Matthew was Tyron Matthew here in Kansas City. Day stinking one, man. He changed everything from 2019 and, and, to, and to now. You know, you saw from 2018 how horrific this defense was. No lead, no true leadership. Just certain skilled guys without that guy, without that core piece. Tyron Matthew came here and immediately changed that. So I will say without question, in my opinion, he is the greatest free agent defensive player the Chiefs ever had. Yeah, and this is not recency bias on my end, but it's a resounding yes for me. Um, the fact that we were very, very weak in that particular position with the Eric, Eric, Eric Berry debacle that went down, and we are lacking that leadership, that vocal leader on the back end of the defense to kind of be the the, the quarterback of the defense. And we were we needed safety play so badly. We were getting beat so much up the middle, up the seam, and we were just guys were in the wrong position. It was, Bob Sutton had our guys all out of whack. We needed we needed someone out there that can put guys in the right spot, chew guys' ass out, get in the heads of the of the opposing offenses, and that is what he does. The guy is a true captain on this league, a true captain on this team, and he's shown, you know, uh, in the in the postseason, he shows up big. He knows how to read quarterbacks' eyes. Yeah, he makes he, he gets burnt sometimes. Yeah, he misses a tackle at times. He's an undersized guy, but when he need when you need him the most, Tyrant always shows up. He always shows up and he makes big plays. And I definitely I I do think he's the greatest free agent signing we ever had, especially if we go back to back chips. With him being that guy that we've signed, you know, that big acquisition, that chess piece player that Brett Veach called him. He is that ultimate chess piece and that Brett Veach went out there. I know he wanted to go get um, Earl Thomas, but by God, to be dodge a bullet with that one, right? That could have been a good player, but the guy's a nutcase. We, we definitely signed the right guy, and he's been nothing but great since he's been here. And he's definitely, in my mind, the best. Um, no. <laughs> the greatest... Free agent. So when people have this debate, they just automatically bring up Priest Holmes. Right. Right? Was Len, Do- Len Dawson was a free agent. Len Dawson is the greatest free agent in the Chiefs ever. Yeah. Come on. Right? Uh, maybe from a legacy standpoint. Uh, I'm just saying, if we go win back, back-to-back chips and he's that, uh, as valuable as he is on this defense, it's going to solidify it for me. Like. Th- over Len Dawson. I, yeah, we got Kelvin Benjamin once. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. I thought he was gonna. Ball, I want. He always cleaned his plate. So no, I, uh, that's easy. Yeah, you could definitely go Len. I just for me, it's just a, it's an era thing. Like I just feel like I don't know. That I can't really argue that. I mean, well, they, see, there was success okay, there so too. It, it might be different because free agency was not right. really the same. As right. Was, okay. So modern free agency. Yeah, you might be right. Yeah. Because I mean. Chiefs never won anything with Priest. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's yeah, my you, only knock on Priest. the offensive line argument. Mm-hmm. And the other thing you can talk about with Matthew is Chiefs were so bad on defense before he got here. We needed a safety and so bad. He, I, he like almost, I think, single-handedly turned the defense. Well, it's the vocal, the vocal side right. of it is what and I love. Yeah, He's better this year than he was last year, and the rest of the defense is not quite as good. Mm-hmm. Like, Frank Clark isn't as good. Thornhill isn't as good. And look, who was the guy on the sidelines when we were down against uh, uh, the Texans? It was the Texans at times. I can't remember either one last year. When we were down by almost 20 points, he was like, I like this. I actually think that was in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Oh, it was in the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He said, I like this. He was the guy chewing digits. everybody's ass on the yeah. sideline. And he's the guy that, he, he when everyone's like, down, he's the one that lights the fire. Like he was crazy. So it's, it's you know what I mean? Like, yeah, exactly. Last year, we needed that. Clark both talked so much shit, and they both backed it up. Yeah. This year, Frank Clark has not backed it up. Mm-mm. But he has, and even more so, which is just... I mean, and his health, you know, the knock on him the past crazy. before he got to Kansas City is his, he wasn't healthy, he wasn't ever himself again after those injuries, and he's been nothing but a strong bill of health, and he's been an absolute leader on this defense. What, what I'll say about the whole Lynn, because that's it is interesting about you bringing up Lynn. For I, sure. I, I'll say this: I think Lynn is going to matter more to the franchise in a historic sense than even Tyron Matthew, just because of position. Uh, technically, I will say technically led this Chiefs team to their first Super Bowl, even though Mike Livingston did a lot of the legwork getting to the Super Bowl, if you will. People forget about that. Uh, when Lynn Dawson got hurt, Mike Livingston was doing some damage to get the Chiefs to that position. So we got to put some truth in that. But Lynn Dawson, like I said, he is a, he is a legend in Kansas City. So... From that aspect, because a lot of people don't know that. A lot of people don't know that he did come from... Well, a, I had to go look it was the Browns, wasn't it? I think he came <laughs> uh, from. Yeah. No, he, he was released by the Browns. Yeah, and then he ended up playing. I think he finished his career with the Chargers, I, I, if I'm not mistaken. He was in the NFL for like five years before he came to the yeah. Chiefs. He was drafted yeah. by the Steelers. So the Chiefs got prime huh. Lynn Dawson. And he actually, for that era, was putting up some pretty decent numbers. There yeah. was a season, I think he had 29 touchdowns. I think that's the season yeah, he set that record. record. Yeah, the record home was broken. Right. Yeah. So, in about five games. Trent Green hit it like twice. <laughs> No. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, it was against the Cardinals. I remember was that going for it in that Steelers game. I'm here my inner Shaggy Shane right now, dude. I was there at that game against the Cardinals. That was actually an ugly game. But Lance will be our our, uh, our Shaggy Shane of the, of the <laughs> in a game. I'm gonna close my eyes. And I was there. This. Yep. Chiefs are die. <laughs> well, next, next question, Billy Hodge. Uh, hello, men and Eddie. He's not here. <laughs> he always does that shit. He always does that shit. <laughs> I want to say congratulations on your 100th show. It's been a fun ride. My question is, why does the Chiefs... Why do the Chiefs doesn't get any respect? Last week, a lot of people were picking the Browns, and this week's it's the Bills. First of all, thank you so much, Billy. You've been a loyal, loyal listener, follower, family member of this whole thing, man. Thank you so much for taking care of Eddie. Um... <laughs> When it comes to the Chiefs and getting respect, you know, I think it's actually – I'm, I'm going to be the guy because I, if you follow me on Twitter, you guys see me always championing for the Chiefs. I'm always going at the, the, the heavy hitters out there and stuff. I like to correct folks. But I will say the Chiefs do get a lot of respect. And the reason why I can say that is because of the fact that there are people that have to – in my opinion, this is this is a form of respect. When they have to find a way to try to downplay what the Chiefs are doing, mm-hmm. to me that's respect because they're showing they're, – they're trying to figure out a way to, to make it seem like what they're doing isn't historic. It's like an adjustment to a team that you know is powerful in one regard. Bill Belichick – when he faces the Chiefs, he always goes after who? Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey because he has he has respect for what those guys' capabilities are each and every single game. 
So when it comes to analysis and it comes to these TV performers and radio performers, they're doing this to keep things interesting. The Chiefs are so great, they're literally now on NFL Network. You guys can follow If you follow me on Twitter, at Lance Has Spoken, you'll see I posted the picture. The NFL Network literally created a category of the Chiefs and the remaining teams in the playoffs and who's had more blowouts since, like, week eight. <laughs> we're really going to do this? Like, we're really going to make it to where, oh, well, the Chiefs might not be as good as these other teams that they had a better record than because they haven't had as many blowouts since this convenient portion of time of the season. Yeah. So that's a form of respect. I, a lot of times as a fan, will take it as disrespect initially, but when I really sit down and I think about it, it's, oh, they have to do this because my team's so damn good. They respect them so damn much that they have to find something to twist in the wind to make their show sound interesting other than just saying, ah, Chiefs are probably going to fucking win the Super Bowl again. No one's going to listen to that. No one wants to tune in for that. So they got to find something. So in a, in a weird way, Billy, I think they are being respected by these pseudo-disrespects they've been getting. Yeah, it's it's like backhanded respect or reverse psychology type of respect because it's similar to the LeBron effect. It's 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 an, it's an exhaustion. It's it's People are tired of, of giving the Chiefs kudos because we just all we do is win, right? It's similar to what the Patriots were going through. I can imagine Patriots fans over all those years and all those Super Bowls you know that's why the Patriots had to, you know, create that little mantra. You know, we're still here, and they, everyone's doubting us just to get because they're so used to winning. They have to give themselves. They have to create their own chip on their shoulder, chip. right? So, in my mind, this is good. I want to just keep doubting us because that gives us bulletin material. That gives our locker room bulletin material. Like, look, they don't believe in us still, guys. Like that, that that'll give our locker room still motivation because when you're winning as much as we do, you can become complacent. You can get bored. We said it all year long, every single week. It looks like the Chiefs are just bored. It looks like we're playing with our food, right? It ties into what I was saying about how we go into every week having to create, you know, hypotheticals of how these teams could beat the Chiefs. When in reality, in our brains, we know that the Chiefs are just going to go out there and win. Outside of that random Raiders game that they caught us off guard. Outside of that, we know going into every week, we're, we're confident these Chiefs are going to figure out a way to win. We're confident in Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid to figure out a way to win uh, when, when the time comes, and the, if it, even if it's a close game. So, yeah. I don't look at it as disrespect. I look at it as the ultimate respect. Just like I said, with like, like the likes of like LeBron, uh, you know, people are always doubting them. And everyone knows LeBron was going to be in the finals every year. Especially Dirk fans. You know what I mean? Like, oh, can, can LeBron make it out of the West? Can LeBron even, you know, create a playoff team in the West? Like, all these things. Like, it, that's just bulletin material for the greats. The greats take that as bulletin material. So, yeah, I don't look at it as disrespect. I actually appreciate it. Because it, it means we're just getting on people's under people's skin and on people's nerves, and they want to they just want to be contrarian at this point, and they want to be right when everyone they want to zig when everyone else is zagging. Whenever deep down everyone knows that the Chiefs are the favorite, the Chiefs are more than likely going to win each game. They're going in any week against any opponent. That's how I look at it. So I mean, we all know why they do it because, like Lance said, what else would they have to talk about if they didn't do that? <laughs> right. But I but I I kind of do get why people are so annoyed by it because. I don't remember the media being like this when Peyton Manning and Tom Brady were dominating. Yeah. Every single week. Yeah, they're on and Tom. And it's not like the Chiefs are, are, are new. To, I mean, this is the third year now the Chiefs have been doing this. Hmm. So I think the youth is, is a big deal, too. I, they were I so guess, young. But, but yeah. I don't really remember the media ever being like, oh, is this the end of the – are the Patriots are – they, are they done? And I, 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 I distinctly remember – the media being in the bag for the Patriots almost every year. 
I, I could be mis- I, I Y'all correct me if I'm wrong, but especially with Manning, I, I just remember just the media just bowing down constantly <laughs> to those guys. So. Well, I mean, there's theories to that. I think that it's because of the fact that they were more of a safe the, those were safer teams to to really put in the bag. Well, and their paths because were different. They, well, and, and what I'm saying, like they had like the the American hero Peyton Manning, the American hero. Tom yeah, we're Brady. a Maldi Young team. But I'm saying like the Chiefs do it in a different way than those guys did. Right. They're more edgy. Like even it's Colin true. Coward says it all the time that they're flashy. This you know those true. those guys were more pocket passing. Yeah. You know, play very like basic we're breaking stuff. the mold. No con, like you know, well, you don't have a lot of personality. Right. Well, even even yeah, and even the even the weapons on those teams, right. none of them were like Kelsey or Tyreek. And a lot of people hold yeah, resentment towards Tyreek Hill in that whole situation too. Right. A lot of people do. Did, did y'all see Tyreek? He's he's getting paid now. Oh yeah, he <laughs> got that. Yes, he, he got, got that big the, endorsement. Uh, boost Finally, like, justice. Like, so good like, to see. I was like living well is the best. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Let's get this next question. What do we got, Trev? Last question. Last question is from uh, Brian Herbert. Congratulations on the 100th show. Uh, go over that Detroit Lions pick for us again, Lance. All jokes aside, congrats. It's not really a question, but more of a shout at you and a shout out to the show. <laughs> no, no, holy no, Hey, first of all, thank you, Brian. Uh, you've also been out. a big-time follower, man. We appreciate all your contributions as well. Um, yeah, that, that pick was shit. Uh, I, I had I had faith in the Lions. You know what pick was worse? Up. My Patriots pick. <laughs> We had some we had some doozies, man. That that yeah. was bad of me to pick the Lions to make the playoffs. That was a bad bad one. Um, but uh, yeah, it, there's no excuse on that one, man. I just I'll just have to hold that L for sure. Uh, stay tuned on the Lions, by the way, for the rest of the show. But that is, um, it. That is it. I yeah. Before we take a break, I think there was somebody on the chats that w- you told me to. Yeah, well, you guys little... gotta give a shout out to Sydney's Sports Show for asking those questions about you and Kelsey. Oh, Arrington. Yeah. And uh, you're also going to go ahead and probably get your ass kicked for that one. <laughs> well, I'll guarantee it. I'm going to get a two-piece for sure. No, shout-out to Arrington, man. He's been a he's been a big contributor. He's always sharing stuff from our page. Uh, loyal listener. Uh, big-time big time listener, man. I really do appreciate you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. There you go. He's a, he's, a chief, he's a chief member abroad, man. We always, we always uh, have a profound respect for the people that are outside of Kansas City that – Hold true to the the traditions of being a Chiefs fan, and like I said, being a part of what we do here, man. Thank you so much, man, for being in the chats and for doing what you do, man. And we always appreciate even mailbag. He he'll drop questions, good questions too. He's always got thought provoking questions and hits me up on Twitter too, man. So thank you so much, Arrington. We we uh, we couldn't couldn't do it without you, bro. You're one of the you're one of the the, the big timers out there. We we need people like you. We need more of you. So you got any buddies out there in Louisiana? You got a team, man. I know it's college football, big time out there. But, uh, you know, we could always use more Chiefs fans and more people in the Spoken Podcast. So, uh, Monday Mailbag was great. Thank you guys so much for all the questions. Uh, this was the perfect mailbag for episode 100. Uh, I see the chats have been live as hell. Gat's been killing it on that. Thank you guys. Seriously, man. We got one more order of business to attend to. It's the 100th tradition of Hold This L. I want you to do me a favor and hold this L. Somebody's got to hold that L. <laughs> the who? The her. I'm talking like caps lock L L L L L L L L Cool J stuff. Hold that L. <laughs> Good God, man.
hold this gigantic, <laughs> veiny, pulsating oh head. Man, you are one pathetic loser. You ignorant bastard. <laughs> oh, that was great. Oh, hold so. this hell. It is time to hold this L. What we have done 99 times previous to this one is we have handed out some friendly, not-so-friendly Ls in the world of sports. Nevertheless, whether they're friendly or unfriendly, we promise you that no matter who's getting it, team, sport, player, or in Eddie Ortiz's case, Mr. Yo-Yo-Yo himself, F1, regardless of who's getting it, they deserve it. So let's start with our guest of the night, Mr. Clay Winner, the mind behind Red Tribe Cinema. Who is holding the L for you? Because I heard that this is supposed to be a doozy. This is. This is going to be epic. Give us the doozy. So, okay. This, this is your 100th show. So, I, I, I got four L's. Fuck yeah, got bring four it. Four L's. It's got it's to be big time. I thought you were going to give us 100 real quick. <laughs> so, here, here are my four L's. And this is particularly relevant because we are playing the Bills this week. So my four L's. I got one L for the 1990 Buffalo Bills. <laughs> Jesus. Lost the Super Bowl. Sorry, Bills fans. I, I got doing. a second L for the 1991 <laughs> Buffalo Bills, who came back the very next year and blew it. <laughs> I got a third L for oh, the 1992 yeah. Buffalo Bills, who Where's the fourth L blew the Super Bowl again. <laughs> And the final L oh, man. goes to the 1993 Buffalo Bills, <laughs> who beat our fucking Kansas City Chiefs and yeah. will never forget. So that's four L's. That is beautiful. And I would like to hand them a fifth L. Don't do it yet. But they're not getting back to the Super Bowl. I love it. I love it. That is great. So, yeah, so all four straight <laughs> Bills teams that went to the championship, the Super Bowl, hold this L. L. That is beautiful, Clay. Way to start the 100th. Hold this L off. Trevor Twidwell, who's holding the L for you, my friend? Mine's, mine's going to be a simple one. Nothing special. I was trying to find something big and special for the 100th, but there's not too much going on right now. But I am going to have to give it to the Nets and Kyrie Irving because um, they did just lose again to the Cavaliers. So that's two back-to-backs. Um, that's one back-to-back, I guess I should say. <laughs> Kyrie Irving, everyone was hyped about getting Kyrie Irving back in the mix because KD and James Harden were actually go, just going berserk with each other on the floor. Um, it looked great. They were winning games, and they were putting up ins- insane numbers. <laughs> and then everyone's getting all hyped about getting what, you know, what's going to happen when Kyrie gets back and all this. You know, everyone's like, that? Kyrie gets back. <laughs> I'll say it. Uh, no. Yeah. So that's my – I don't know why – surfer voice for the Nets. I don't know. That's the average NBA fan voice, I guess. I don't, uh, that's just what came out. But – I'm going to give it to Kyrie specifically and the Nets as a follow-up to this L because everyone was all hyped about it, getting Kyrie back. And what do they do as soon as Kyrie gets back? They lose. To the, they get blown out. 147 points by the Cavaliers. 147 points. They get outplayed. They played them in the back-to-back, which they literally, within minutes, two minutes ago, they just lost again to the Cavaliers. <laughs> so what happens when Kyrie gets back? Chemistry goes to shit. They lose back to backs. They lose a back to back to the Cleveland play, Cavaliers. Man. So I mean, if their competition in the playoffs is going to be the Cavaliers, look out. 
might get a sweep. <laughs> so, in all in all fairness, I do expect the Nets to be very good. But in this time and the and the when the way it's is panned out so far with him returning and then then losing it back to back to the Cavs, and the irony behind all that with Kyrie coming back to a back to back against the Cavs, it's just kind of funny to me. With the, you know, so, Kyrie Irving, the Nets. As a whole, your fan base right now, you guys are going to be good, but I, I'm going to have to give this to you right now. So you do me a favor and hold, hold this L. L. And the lights go out. L. <laughs> Night's over. Good night, folks. I guess I'll be doing this one in the dark, boys mm. and girls. Yeah, it really looks dark. Discreet. It only makes sense that um, Kansas City, we look, we, we have – one thing for certain, well, a couple things for certain, and one of those obviously is the, is, is you know rely, reliability at the quarterback position, but also at the head coach position, and that's something we're not going to have to worry about for a very long time. Andy Reid is going nowhere, and he has established himself as arguably the greatest head coach of his generation, and maybe of all time when he's all said and done. Well, a lot of other teams and a lot of other fan bases don't really have that luxury at this time. So what do they do? They go out there and they get other candidates to try and uh, will their franchises back to the days of glory if they've ever had them. Unfortunately for some franchises, like the Detroit Lions, they've never really had days like that. They don't have glory days to look upon. So they're desperately reaching for any and anybody that would ever take on the responsibility of being their head coach. So this week... The Detroit Lions decided to go out and get themselves a man by the name of Dan Campbell to be their head coach. And Dan Campbell's been around the league for quite some time, so people know the name. I don't think that people really knew what Dan Campbell as a man and as a head coach was going to be. If God, if you'd be so kind to roll that beautiful bean footage. This has been kicked, it's been battered, it's been bruised, and I can sit up here and give you coach speak all day long. I can give you, uh, you know, hey, we're going to win this many games. I can't, but none of that matters, and you guys don't want to hear it anyway. You've had enough of that shit, so excuse my language. All right, here's what I do know, is that this team is going to take on the identity of this city, all right, and this city's been, been down, and it's found a way to get up. All right, it's found a way to uh, overcome adversity. All right, and so this team's going to be built on. Uh, we're going to kick you in the teeth. All right, and, and when you punch us back, we're going to smile at you. And when you knock us down, we're going to get up. And on the way up, we're going to bite a kneecap off. All right, and we're going to stand up. And then it's going to take two more shots to knock us down. All right, and on the way up, we're going to take your other kneecap. And we're going to get up. And then it's going to take three shots to get us down. And when we do, we're going to take another hunk out of you before. Before long, where they're going to be the last one standing. All right, that's going to be the mentality. I'm hungry now. The Lions signed Danable Lecter as their next <laughs> head coach. He's talking about eating people's leg pieces. That that that's who's yeah. <laughs> Hello, Packers. You know like, <laughs> that that what the. F- what the fuck yes. was that? I'm hungry though. I'll tell you that. I, I, I get it. He's a football dude. He's Mister, you know, bravado, mochismo, all that stuff. Very he's descriptive. Gotta, you know, yeah. yeah. And he's talking about like taking on the the city and all this other stuff. It's like, 
Well, no offense to Detroit, but they haven't exactly been winning as a city either. They lost like their most major, you know, industry. You we know, all know you can't bite kneecaps with a helmet yeah, on. Yeah, and you can't. You gotta ask permission first. You know what I mean? Like you can't be, <laughs> sir. Can I bite your kneecap off, please? You, you know, you like, got a face mask. You I, can't. I don't really understand like the message. Like I, I kind of feel like great coaches don't really say shit like that because that ends up becoming like something you're known for. That's gonna, yeah. You know what I mean? Like we we all know like Jim Mora. He's known for playoffs. Like. He's not known for what he was as a coach. I guarantee you, nobody can name me off like anything he's ever done as a head coach it's a except blow that. Hard, blow Herm hard. Edwards. He's had a decently successful career, but he's known for what? Hello, you play to win the game. Like that. You don't want to be preaching, known for preaching. stuff like that. You don't want to be known. As, I'm a man. I'm forty. You don't want to be known for the coach <laughs> that's gonna eat people's knees. You want to be known for wins. I don't know. Wild thought. Um, so Dan. I, not really sure what the fuck that was. I'm hyped, I'm hyped um, up now. But man. I do know what I'm about to give you. So if you could do me a solid, don't bite my knees, but if you could, take this L and hold, hold this L, L baby. I appreciate that. Um, eat, it, eat that L. Munch on it. Like, I had to like watch it like cat. four or five times to like get not uncomfortable. Because I'm not a Lions fan, but I'm like, oh, shit. Like, if I was a Lions fan, I'm like, yeah, I'm done with football. I'm ready to run through walls now, man. Was... I'm ready to eat some kneecaps. Sure can run through walls. I'll, yeah. yeah. Danable Lecter, I'm telling you. That was one of my favorite L's to yeah, ever give like, out. It's like, keep that guy away from Holmes' knee, right? <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> shit, He's already, like, kind of tenderized. <laughs> we don't play the Lions for at least a couple more years, so yeah. I, I'm good with, you know, Dan being away from us, but. Yeah, that was, that was rah rah. All kneecaps aside, all jokes aside, uh,. This was fun, man. I always say that at the end of the show, but the, meaning, like, I mean it. Like, we we really have fun here. Uh, off air, we we talk like this. This is this is what we are. This is what we do. Uh, Red Tribe Cinema is is nothing short of amazing. Anything and everything Gat touches turns to gold. Shaggy Shane is the most entertaining and most knowledgeable Chiefs fan in on the planet, and it's not even close. Uh, Trevor and Eddie uh, keep me motivated. They keep this show what it is. They keep the quality what it is. But more importantly, it's you guys. Uh, it's the listeners. It's the viewers. You guys really do make this what it is. You guys are, I'm going to sound like a politician right now, but you are the backbone of this. You are the heartbeat of this. You are the kneecaps. So vote for me. No, but I, I really I really do. I can't thank you guys enough. Um, I'm just some I'm just some kid from Kansas, man, that loves the loves the Chiefs and loves sports as a whole. And you guys give me this platform, this opportunity to talk with you guys and to give you my opinions. Um, I promise you this: uh, we are going to reach another 100 episodes as long as this is fun. And I see that people are on here chatting. I see that people are listening. I hear that people are listening. I get feedback each and every week from complete strangers. That is that is the ultimate motivator, man, to know that there are people out there that I have never met that care about what I have to say. So I, I genuinely thank you guys for helping me, helping us reach this milestone. Um, it may not mean a lot to a lot of other people, but it means everything to me. And I, and I really do appreciate you guys being a part of this. And so for the next 100 episodes, this is what we do and this is what we are at the Spoken Podcast. For So for Trevor Twidwell, for Eddie Ortiz, for Clay Windler, Shaggy Shane, for Gat, for the entire KCPN family, and quite frankly for every single one of us, that are a part of this and what we do here at the Spoken Podcast. This is the Spoken Podcast. Episode 100 is out. You guys have yourself a great night. Later. Go Chief!
We're going to get out of this bitch. Thank you so much for listening, guys. See ya. You are tuned into the Spoke. I might actually stick. I might actually stick around for a little bit. Es mejor llegar tarde a casa que nunca volver a llegar. Es mejor llegar tarde al trabajo que nunca volver a trabajar. Y es mejor recoger tarde a tus hijos que nunca volver a recogerlos. Llegar tarde a donde vayas por esperar a que pase el tren es mucho mejor que arriesgar tu vida tratando de ganarle el paso. Por algo existe el dicho, más vale tarde que nunca. Alto, el tren no para. Mensaje de Netsa.